When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On SENZ. past 10 on a Wednesday morning. Does this week seem long to you? It feels long to me for some reason. I don't know why, but welcome to SENZ Summer Days New Zealand with Stephen McIver. 0800 150 811 is the number to call with your thoughts on anything in the sporting world that you may want to talk about, unload about, get excited about. Don't be shy, just do it. Or as the movie says, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. 0800-150-811. Between now and two, we'll hear from New Zealand motorsport ace Scott McLaughlin on his 2021 and what he needs to do to move up the field in 2022. One to go, one and a half miles for Dixon to get his fifth win here at Texas Motor Speedway. What a proud moment for him too oh. because he's impressed with McLaughlin, a fellow Kiwi, and to come home in a one-two. He's got traffic, is getting closer, but I don't think it's going to cause an issue. Connor Daly... He'll hang on there. Checkered flag at the ready. Scott Dixon wins back-to-back years and wins at Texas Motor Speedway for a fifth time. Well done, Scott. Yeah, but Scott McLaughlin finished second, and that was a Kiwi one too. That was back in May of 2021. We'll talk to Scotty very soon inside the next one minute. After midday, we're going to chat to Phoenix captain Alex Rufer. Try and figure out why they are struggling in the A-League as they head into an FFA Cup quarterfinal tonight against Melbourne City. Retray now, the cross in from King is not a bad one. Van der Sark now, Kamsoba. Is this the opportunity? It is. And Elvis Kamsoba has Sydney in front. 19 minutes gone. But they have to stay organised at the back as Caceres drives through the heart. Oh, and his back finds Lafondra. And he has driven a dagger through Wellington Phoenix there. They're looking for four victories in a row over Wellington Phoenix now. Most importantly, the first win of the season. In it comes, it's a good ball as well, but Sydney and Wilkinson willing again. Is this the chance? Through the legs. Well, they're gonna have to check it. 
and the goal stands as it finishes at Netstrada Jubilee Stadium. The sky blue, two. The Knicks, one. After one o'clock, George Rose, the former rugby league player turned boxing promoter with his company, No Limit Boxing, because tonight Paul Gallen goes again, this time against former player Darcy Lussick on a, a stacked footy card live on Sky Arena. Yeah, Paul Gallon. Well, you would have heard uh, the legendary, the legend himself, Dean Lonergan, who is uh, the man at the promoter for Justice Hooney, uh, talk about how strong Paul Gallon is and how much money he's making out of boxing alone. And he, and he shouldn't be doing it because of his size, but he is a one tough ombre. So that's what we've got coming to you before two o'clock this afternoon, including the panel and also the chase. Yeah, our version of the chase. I've never done this before. I think it's just after half past 12 today. So that is something to look forward to. But let's start with motorsport, shall we? Reminding you of the number 0800 150 You can text on double uh, <laughs> The Phoenix uh, Dale says, uh, Stephen, Phoenix better performing than the lackluster Warriors. Okay. There's, al- there's always one hater. I'm not being a hater, just calling it the way it is. Okay. A young Kiwi who is the next phase of his career after claiming three supercar crowns in a row, Scotty McLaughlin was lured by his Penske team to Indy cars and he was going from tin tops to open wheels and the transition is not an easy one. But in 2021, he won Rookie of the Year and impressed many with his ability to adapt. But there is work to do and Scotty joins us from his North Carolina base. G'day, mate. Hey, Steve, how you going? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm real good. Uh, 2021, what a year for you. Uh, first year in IndyCar. When you give yourself a scorecard, what do you give yourself? <laughs> uh, let's go seven. You know, it was okay. Um, you know, we, we did some goals that we wanted to do and, and achieve, but um, ultimately, you know, I don't think we probably um, achieved exactly what we wanted to achieve, but at the same time, um, you know, I learned a ton and I think it's really set me up well for what's ahead in the new year and, and, and what we can really achieve, which I'm excited for. Did you feel any pressure of expectation going from three-time supercar champ to IndyCar rookie and what people back in Australia and New Zealand were expecting of you? Uh, I guess there was obviously a lot of, um, you know, nervousness in terms of probably more so for myself. I, mean, I was still a lot of pressure on myself to perform and, um, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't... I, 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 uh, Probably didn't really worry about what other people do, you know, what, what they thought of me. You know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I put more pressure on myself than anyone else can. Uh, but at the same time, you want to represent, you know, the category that I was in with supercars. You know, you want to prove that at the end of the day, like it's a good, it's a great category with great drivers and you don't want to do any detriment mm-hmm. to it if you go bad in a series, you know. So, but at the end of the day, I had a ton to learn and, you know, I felt like we, um, you know, exceeded expectations at some points and certainly looked like a rookie at others. So, um, yeah. But overall, like I said, it was not too bad of a year. When you look back at that first couple of months, did did it really hit you that the transition from tin tops to open wheels was greater than you might have thought? Um, yeah, in, in some aspects. I think 
more so from the car setup side, you know, trying to understand exactly what I want from the car. You know, I went, you know, to and froing a little bit throughout the season, trying to figure out exactly what I wanted. Like I thought I wanted something and then it didn't quite work. And it wasn't really until the last couple of races, probably last five or six races where I felt like I was on top of what I wanted from the car and certainly showed that in the results. But, you know, it's, by then, you know, the whole category has a year under their belt, and they're all they're at the same point. They've got a good idea of what they want for the car. Their engineers understand them, so it just gets more competitive as the season goes on. So, um, yeah, that, from that aspect, I think that was the most challenging part: trying to understand the race car and you know translating my feedback to a brand new engineer and a new uh, you know engineering team. Was the biggest takeaway? of needing to improve qualifying? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I think my race pace, if we found ourselves in the top five at some point in the race with, you know, strategy and stuff, we could easily hold our own there. And we certainly did that the last few races. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to, if you qualify better, half your job done for the race on Sunday. So, um, you know, if I, I'm, I'm aiming to hopefully be in the top 10 every, every race next year in terms of qualifying. I think that'll just certainly help me um, a ton when it comes to the race race start, race taking it out of the craft and just sort of focusing on, you know, not trying to, you know, fuel save all the race just to make a couple of two or three positions because you just put yourself in a bad spot. So, um, you know, we're, we've got a good solid plan for what I need and how I need to make my car better for me in qualifying. And we know we can, I can qualify well. I've, I've done that into the cars. It's just a matter of finding exactly the tools that I need to, to replicate that in America. Scott, with an IndyCar, how much does the car change over a weekend? It's a huge amount. It's not only, it's not, probably not the car, it's the overall um, track grip itself. The track rubbers in unbelievably. Like from the first session uh, to when you put, you go roll out the first lap to, you know, end of the race or at least to the end of qualifying. The, the way that the track evolves and changes, especially over qualifying, qualifying lap one to qualifying last lap, it can be seconds in terms of pace and overall lap time from, from, from the cars itself. So it's, um, it's a pretty impressive thing to watch and see and be a part of, but, um, it's very challenging in itself find you know the limit of uh, of the grip and and uh, how hard you can push again that's another thing that i've had to really understand um since i've been you know in, in cars and stuff so it's it's, it's um yeah it's a lot to learn it's, it's, it's pretty overwhelming you know well the other part of learning too is the indy 500 and you had a i'd suggest a pretty cool indy 500 at one stage up at the front of the field how much have you fallen in love with that place oh geez, it's right up in my uh, bucket list now to, you know, when I've always wanted to win there, but, you know, after competing in that race and seeing how special it was to America and American culture, it's, um, pretty, pretty special to be a part of and knowing that I'll be a part of it at least for the next few years. So, um, you know, I'm big focus on that. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely infatuated with the race and just want to make sure that, you know, I can, uh, you know, do the good, do the goods, uh, you know, throughout the race. Cause we certainly showed some promise there. And yeah, like you said, we're in that front lead pack, but just unfortunately had a mistake and, and you just learn from that and certainly won't ever do that again or at least try not to. And, and, um, you know, hopefully we'll make us stronger, you know, come in 2021. Uh, in uh, 2022, in the 500. I, I know you're a professional race car driver, but when you're first hooring around that track, is it exhilarating or terrifying? <laughs> it's a bit of both. Um, probably more so the first lap or first couple of corners, you're sort of a bit terrified a little bit going, what, what is this thing going to do? Because it's just an unknown. It's a level of unknown that you just never experienced before. But then you sort of get into a groove and, uh, you know, you feel pretty comfortable yourself and then all of a sudden 33 other people come out beside you and you've got to run in the traffic and that's another different kettle of fish as well. So, you know, I've, I've 
I wouldn't say terrifying, but it's just been a, a massive challenge and, and something that you know, I've really had to focus and study on um, and, and continue to study on in the off season to make sure I'm better and understand the traffic, the draft, how the tyres work and, and all that sort of stuff to make sure that I'm you know, strong when it comes to you know the 500 next year. Have you bumped into the likes of young Billy Fraser and Hunter McElroy, who I see is racing for Andretti and Indy Lights next season? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, the two of them, yeah, for sure. I, I've, I've texted uh, Billy a couple of times um, throughout the year. Uh, quite difficult to catch up with him, just the, the timing, and even with Hunter and timing of our race stuff, but always keeping an eye on them. And, of course, with Hunter at Andretti Autosport next year for the Indy Lights Championship, that's amazing. He's just been on the progression over the last few years, and his dad, Andy, obviously, I know really well. He, his dad Andy was actually the first, um, my first race car boss. I drove my first ever race car race with his team. So um, obviously I have a pretty soft spot with Hunter. I've seen him grow up and see him over here, um, you know, in Indy Lights. And then basically the one feeder category down from IndyCar is pretty pretty cool and I hope he goes well. Are you still supporting the Carolina Panthers? Yes, yeah, I am. Why? I am. Why? Because <laughs> I live in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, but couldn't you have couldn't you have a better team? Yeah, but I could also support the Jets. Which I was on, that was yeah. And then what? You because Carly's from New York, you, you're supporting the Knicks, right? Yeah, well, I am the Knicks. The Knicks are going uh, they're going bad as well. So I mean, they're just showing a lot of promise. But yeah, I haven't got too much uh, to be excited about. But in the, the day, I've got the All Blacks. And regardless of people don't know anything about it over here, at least uh, I can always say that I've got the All Blacks. They all sort of have some modest idea. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, uh, SVG, uh, sorry, not SVG, I've forgotten who, geez, who won, I've forgotten who won Bathurst, of course. Uh, Chaz Moss at winning Bathurst. Chaz, yeah. What did you make of that that uh, pole lap of his? Oh, it was a great, great lap. Really solid. There was no mistakes at all. It was just, um, you know, an absolute ripple lap and that car was very fast all, all, all weekend. And, and to be honest, they deserve to win um, with what they showed up with. Their car was an absolute rocket ship. And sometimes you don't get, you know, you don't get the right winner at Bathurst in terms of, you know, the, the, the wrong car wins in terms of pace. You know, like you've had fast, dominant cars that have just run into bad luck. And it nearly sort of ended up for him uh, with that, in their race there. But, uh, you know, those guys were just so quick all, all day and no one really had anything for them. And, uh, it, it, was, it was quite a good race to watch once uh, the echidna come out and thought out of the car. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yes, and, of course, SVG champion. So another Kiwi takes the, takes the big prize, and that's pretty cool. What did you make of the Gen 3 cars? Did you get a close look at them on track? Yeah, well, especially it's awesome for Shane and... It's great for New Zealand to, you know, four years in a row, I think we've won that championship, so it's pretty good. But again, three, I saw a couple of those cars going around. Yeah, I think they look really good. I think Supercar's done a really good job in terms of at least getting them on track for the public to see in such a massive arena. Um, but yeah, there's it, obviously going to be a lot of testing, but I think they've done the right thing to lay in it. 23, and I think they'll they'll be make, making sure that they're going to hit the ground running when it comes out. And I think they'll make a pretty good product. So I I, I hope and pray it's uh, it's, it's, it's a gear shift. Uh, I think it'll just you know it looks better. A lot of people you know, obviously massive conjecture over paddle shift, gear shift, and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just I, I just love the gear shift, and I hope it stays. But if it doesn't, you, know, you just move on and, and uh, sign the times. I guess. You and Carly have just celebrated your second wedding anniversary. So where are you taking it for Christmas? Uh, we're actually heading over to Italy, so uh, we'll leave uh, on Monday, and, and um, we'll check out and, and um, go and see uh, yeah all these places I've never been to before. It's a little bit restricted over there um, with COVID at the moment, but um, you know I'm sure it, it looks okay for us to get across and we've had everything booked for a while. So enough of uh, you know stalling our lives for a little bit. We've got to get going and, and 
enjoy our life and I hopefully more importantly I can get back home to see mum and dad in Cambridge there and um, you know because I haven't seen them for you know be two years now so it's uh, it, it hurts a little bit it hurts mum and dad but um, looking forward to one day being out be able to come back to New Zealand that's for sure yeah we live in a crazy world mate thanks as always for giving me your time uh, give Chase a pat for us and uh, happy Christmas <laughs> yeah of course I will do see you mate Scotty McLaughlin uh, Chase by the way is his dog Okay, that's the dog, uh, if, you, if you're wondering. Funny how they called him Chase after the uh, particular part of the Mount Panorama track. It is 10.19 here on Summer Days with Stephen McIver. Interesting to hear too, particularly if you love watching your supercars, that he is a fan of keeping the gear stick rather than going down the paddle shift option. There is a lot of conjecture with the supercar Gen 3, which is the Camaro, <laughs> the Camaro and the Mustang, which look far more like the road cars, uh, that some are suggesting that they might go to the paddle shift, which will take away that sort of the difference that they will have from GT GT cars like Porsches and things like that. I mean, if you are a supercar fan, what do you want? Do you want to see the paddle shift or do you want to see the gear stick? I know what I want. I want to see them shifting down. I want to see the gear stick. Paddle shift is, you know, it's it's for GT3 cars, that sort of, that type of racing. But it was interesting to note that he said the, the biggest challenge was qualifying. And if you remember in supercars, Scott McLaughlin was the qualifying genius. Absolute genius. Although the man that replaced him at, at uh, Penske, well now Dick Johnson Racing, Anton Di Pasquale, in the late latter part of the season, has also turned into a qualifying genius as well. But he's one cool cat, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him back out on the IndyCar track uh, with uh, Team Penske and, and giving it a good, good nut. He's an incredibly talented driver who hates losing. He absolutely hates losing losing but he's a fast loser if you've got thoughts on scotty mclaughlin 0800 150811 that's 0800 150811 with stephen mckiver and for me ian smith on senz on a Wednesday morning nationwide on SENZ. You can listen on the app anywhere, anytime, or your local frequency. If you're in Australia listening on uh, the app, uh, hello to you. Hope your Christmas is going all right uh, amongst your Omicron. Uh, We don't have Omicron here at the moment. Please, God, don't let it out. That's all I can say. Uh, Interesting news in the sailing world, and this time it's not about the America's Cup, although I see today a former appellant judge uh, has decided he, he might actually take them to court and uh, stop them from, this is Emirates Team New Zealand, trying to take it offshore. For God's sake, why? What is your problem? Just let it happen. It's a business. Move on. But in the other part of the yachting world, uh, Alex Maloney and Molly Meach, the Rio silver medalist in the 49 FX, and they've been sailing together for 10 years, have called time. They've called time. I'm going to read out their uh, Instagram post. It's on their Instagram handlers, Molly Alex Sailing. I'm sure that's not going to hang around for much too long, too much longer. But anyway, this is what they've said. After a period of reflection, we've decided it's time for a new chapter. It's been such a cool journey with many highs, lows, successes and challenges. We'll look back on the last 10 years sailing together with good memories and pride about how we operated as a team. Growing up together through the beginning of our 20s and then on to a second campaign, we've learned so much and have formed a friendship for life. We'd like to thank everyone who's been part of our two campaigns. Special mention to our coaches, Nathan Handley and Jim Maloney, and to the many expert coaches who shared gems of knowledge along the way. 
A big thank you to Yachting New Zealand and High Performance Sport New Zealand for their support and funding to enable us to compete at the highest level. Additionally, we'd like to thank our personal sponsors who we feel hugely appreciative to have shared the journey. We enjoyed getting to know all their teams. This includes Red Bull New Zealand family, Big Till Chill Distribution, Harkin, Zick, Fineline and Oakley. The relationships formed with all of you are truly valued. Also, as we all know, it does take a community. Thank you to our family, our friends and the sailing community for all the kindness and encouragement right from the very beginning. This includes our teammates on the NZL sailing team and both cycles. It was fun sharing the journey with you and learning from each other and enjoying a lot of banter along the way. We are both still deciding what's next and we look forward to updating you with future plans. We hope you're all enjoying the beginning of a Kiwi summer and look forward to catching up with you, some of you on the water. A massive thank you to you all and that is from Molly Meach and Alex Maloney the Rio silver medalists in the 49er FX skiff they are done as a team and uh, yeah interesting times I mean this is a funny time of the year too if in the media world you see changes left right and centre this is the time when people swap radio stations television stars go left right and centre and it's probably not too much different in the sporting world as well I just got a text in on double eight double three. I would, you know, I'd rather you call me, right? You know the number oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It was from Gig, who just said uh, was listening to the Scott McLaughlin interview and said, "Do you think Scotty and the team are good enough to podium?" Oh my gosh, they are good enough to podium next year. My word, they are. If you remember, Scott podium this year in one of his very first races in the Oval and many people when talking about Scott McLaughlin. If you know Greg Murphy and I have a show called Race Control. You know, during the the motorsport season on a Thursday night, and the biggest takeaway, love that. I love that cliche, that modern word. The biggest takeaway. What did we learn? The biggest takeaway from Scott McLaughlin's IndyCar year uh, was the fact that he adjusted to ovals a lot quicker than he adjusted to racing the IndyCar on a road course or a track, you know, a, a street course. Because we, we all thought, well, he's come from street courses, he'll, he'll adjust really quickly. No, 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 no. He found it a lot easier to adjust to the ovals. And that's why he's fallen in love with the Indy 500. If you remember the 500 this year, at one stage he was sitting about third or fourth, but they'd got their, uh, their pit stops all over the place and it didn't quite work and he ended up being 20th. Because with about six or seven laps to go, he had to pit, so they were just down on fuel. But strategy had been any different. He may, yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda, I know, he could have uh, podiumed at the Indy 500, the greatest race of IndyCar. So there you go. That's our Scotty McLaughlin. So looking forward to seeing what he does in 2022. But keep those uh, calls rolling in. They are rolling in. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 does, It does beg the question, what was your favourite sporting moment of the year? What was your favourite sporting moment of the year? We can do this one over the next couple of days. Have a think about it. Tell me why. 0800 150 Or you can uh, text me on double eight double three. This is Summer Days on a Wednesday with Stephen McIver. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for Sport. Pro Carbody is back. Oh, mate, I, I love Carbody. When I see it on the TV, it's yeah, I don't know who's got. It. I don't, even, don't, know, don't know if Sky's got. I don't know who's got it, but it's it is big time. It's again, it was it's the second most popular sport in India behind mm. cricket. So India and Pakistan are quite big in it. Pakistan as well, aren't they? are big in it as well. Yeah, mm. but it's Middle Eastern. 
it's just cool, man. You know, it's a great sport. I, I, I got immersed in it very quickly, mm. and you understand it. And it's you know, it's it's tough. You, it's physically very oh, yeah. tough because you know if you're you're if you're the one um, if you're the one left, you know, because you basically try and bust the team down so they've got one left, and that's called an all out, mm. and you get points for that. If you're the only bugger left, and there's seven guys against you, and you're trying to trying to cross <laughs> the line and then get a touch and get back in the whole nine yards, it is fascinating. Fascinating to say the least. It's, um, have you seen as well on, I believe it's on ESPN at the moment, the like World Tag Championships now? No. Because I know Kabaddi sort of incorporates a little bit of tag into it, but yeah. there is actually World Tag Champs, and it's basically like a parkour course. So there's like ramps and scaffolding. Oh, and, wow. And they, it's just one-on-one. You just ra- chase each other around trying to tag each other. I see, but isn't there isn't there a there's a, a reality show with those two NFL brothers, the Watts brothers? Yes. There's, there was a t- like a get, let's get tagged or something like that. I saw that l- earlier in the year. You know, JJ Watt and yeah, yeah. is it TJ Watt who plays for the uh, Ben Roethlisberger team? The Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. Um, he's he's I, number 90. Yeah, so I, I don't know his brother's name. Second yeah. players left, right, and center yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, but they yeah. played tag, did they? They played, yeah. It's, it was a t- No, they were the hosts oh, okay. of this thing called tag. And again, like you're right. saying, parkour type type of deal. Pretty cool. And, and the, probably the, the most bizarre one that I saw recently was, um, and it was very professional. Frisbee? No, no, no. Professional Frisbee? I, no. Can't, I can't get me Disc, there. You've got to call one. it Disc. Frisbee's the brand name. Oh, it's like it's like calling um, it's like be calling a rugby ball um, or, or like calling a rugby league ball the Steeden. Like a frisbee okay, is the I name think it's of the brand. ultimate disc league. The disc, ultimate disc. Uh, of the ultimate disc league. But, but the um, no, the one that's the most bizarre to me, which I saw the other day, yeah. was and it was very professional. It had all the cameras. It had a car in the middle that you could win. And playing around the car, they were playing with a balloon. And it was keeping it off the ground. That old childhood game. You Stop are it from kidding yeah, me. And they're and they're diving onto couches and flicking it up. And there's a big audience around this big and, and like, arena. Was it, was it reality sport? No, it was it was genuine. Legit. I think is legit. Was it on the Ocho? Yeah, it was on the Ocho. It's being at the Ocho. Oh, it's being the Ocho. Oh my goodness. So there you go. That's probably, that could take the cake for me for sort of the most <laughs> pointless slash bizarre sport. But they apparently the winner won the car in the middle. So they're playing around this car, and the winner gets it. You know what there should be. You know, we should we should create really simply, ultimate beer pong. Oh, that'll be a sport in the future, hundred percent. Ultimate That's, beer pong would go nuts. There's a lot of people out there right now who think they're probably world champs. I'm actually pretty good. Are you? The last time I played, I was actually I was pretty hot actually. I'll let you know a little secret. Uh, me and a good friend of mine, unbeaten in beer pong, as a duo. Oh, well, I wouldn't mind. That out there. I might have to take you on. Please do. Uh, Should we do it in studio one day? Uh, yeah, but we can't drink. <laughs> can't drink. That's the only. That's the only problem. Uh, it's ten thirty-eight. <laughs> this is summer days on SENZ with Stephen McIver here till Friday. Uh, did you know today is the longest day, and we want you to take the longest day golf challenge on? It's a Golfing endurance event, it's quite simple really. It'll test your skill if you're half decent and your stamina because it's four rounds of golf, 72 holes. It's You do it in one day to raise funds for the Cancer Society, okay? It's really simple. You can choose the day, the course. Uh, you can play it through December or January, but today actually is the longest day, Wednesday the 22nd of December. All you got to do is register at thelongestday.org.nz. That's register at... <laughs> Long, longest day at all. Oh, I've just I, I stumbled because someone's uh, said, "How do you think RTS would go in Cubbity with his step?" Actually, that's a really good question because it's a high step. RTS has a high step, and if you have a high step in Cubbity, uh, you can get away with a lot because they're always going around going for the ankles. Good question, but maybe call me 0800-150811 That's 0800-150811 It's coming up to 10.40 I wonder what has been making news, that's coming next This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me 
Ian Smith on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Yeah, that's what is making news today. Well, I'll tell you, we've got a very special treat. A very, the, a very a special very treat. A very special treat at the end of okay. what's making news. Right. Um, we were talking about the Balloon World Cup. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> story number one. Now, um, Stephen, if I could offer you a personalised number plate. Into personalised number plates? You find uh, that now? Yeah, I do. I do have a couple. Do you have a couple yourself? Uh, yeah. Now, what would be the, like the goat personalised number plate for you? Is there something, one that you've always wanted? No, no, I'm not I'm not that deeply into it. Okay. Uh, that was when we had children, we had personalised number plates. Sure, sure. Well, um, I'll tell you, a guy in Australia has forked out $460,000 bonkers, right? for a particular number plate, and that number plate is simply two numbers, 25. Uh, yeah, why? Good question. Um, <laughs> 25, it was one of the first batch of number plates ever Sent to Australia in 1906. Whoa, whoa, so hang he, on. 1906. Wow. Yeah, originally owned by Adelaide solicitor Nathaniel Alexander Knox, of course, the great, uh, the great Adelaide solicitor. Um, and that makes sense to me now. That's why. But but still, four hundred sixty-one thousand dollars for a number plate. Probably. I, a little bit excessive. Well, it's it's like investing in older cars at the moment, right? Correct. That's, and then I just don't I just don't understand that. No, no, you know, they used to have Commodores. So some Commodores now, modern Commodores mm. are going for over half a million dollars. The the real the, the, the GTS ones, the W one series, the the last of the makes, half a million. Wow. Do- and I'm going no Commodores worth half a million dollars. No, no modern. And, Commodores and here's the it. ironic thing: 460k for a number plate when you could probably buy about three or four cars for 460k. <laughs> so if I was, gonna, I tell you what, if I was going to buy them. Uh, Noah played. I'd buy fifty-one and not let Murph have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then make Murph yeah, the price yeah. will go up as he gets more and more annoyed yeah, just, over just, the just years. to see the look on his face. Oh, that's great. Um, a man is facing ninety-two years in jail, which is quite a long time. You bet. Um, for trying to sell a fake Tom Brady Super Bowl ring, I'll explain it to you. Um, so this man. Um, there was a former player who was, as, as sometimes happens, Stephen, once they retire, was struggling financially, yeah. and so he wanted to sell his championship ring. Um, he sold it to this guy um, who used a bad check, so gave him the bad check, obviously didn't it got bounced yeah. or whatever, so he basically got the ring for free, which he then sold for $63,000. And when he sold it, he got access to information that then allowed him to go to whoever it was, the Super Bowl, and order more rinks, stating that he was a family member or friend. And uh, so he got three rings and uh, engraved them with Tom Brady and tried telling people that these were Tom Brady's Super Bowl rinks. And he obviously convinced quite a few people because uh, 92 years in jail for uh, fraudulent activity. Yeah, that's that's just a little excessive. Actually, I've got another Tom Brady story. You know how I've been been sort of fawning over him. And the man in the the arena. So the the episode last night on the man in the arena was about um, the the, 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 uh, flight gate. I think it was 2015. Yeah, against the Colts. Against the Colts. And then they went on to win Super Super Bowl against the Seahawks for the second time, having been beaten by the Seahawks. The year before, mm. and he and he was being questioned about his integrity, his integrity, and then moving forward. And he always reverted back to the game, always the game. It was all for him. It was always about the game and moving forward. And the the big takeaway from that one, he says, you got to know in situations who you can trust. 
I agree. That's what it was. And so, I'll tell you, mate, look, because I'm a massive New England Patriots fan, um, spent a year in Boston, love Tom Brady. And I'll tell you, the Flake Gate, um, they scored all their points in the second half hmm. when the balls were back to normal. So, yeah, do the but, but that's key, right? Trust. Correct. Um, speaking of trust and our favourite uh, news item uh, of this week is cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, oh, and God. a man is... This is a little bit of actually... Um, I need to just put this on for a second. Just give me two seconds. <laughs> Ger- Gerald Cotton, uh, who passed away. Gerald Cotton at 30 years old in 2018. Um, and as he passed away, so did $250 million worth of Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency. He ran uh, an exchange, um, you know, where people buy and sell. And um, when he died, that all disappeared with the exchange. And uh, people start to ask questions. If uh, Gerald Cotton, at 30 years old, well, well off guy, healthy, fit and healthy. Did he die? Did he die? Is he still around? And um, does he still have the cryptocurrency? Because um, you know that's that's tempting. Because it's not something you can just go and say, "Hey, I'll have that cryptocurrency." Correct. And let's not go down that rabbit hole, please. Let's <laughs> there's not no one, go down the no crypto you rabbit con- hole. You can't contact like the, the crypto um, customer service no. and ask them for <laughs> help. Um, and uh, our fact of the day, before we get to my special World Cup you're plus special. Surprise, you're special. Yeah, my fact of the day. Um, Kit Kat. Hmm. First question for you, actually. Does Kit Kat have a hyphen in between Kit and Cat? No. It's good. Some people think it does. It's a common myth. Um, do you know what's inside uh, the middle of a Kit Kat? Apart from the wafer. The wafer? Yeah. Wafer thin. Uh, Do you know what else is inside there? Chocolate. That's part of it. And it's nothing like ground out, uh, ground up cockroaches or anything like that. What it is, is it is actually all the broken Kit Kats that get damaged during production are what get put inside the middle of a Kit Kat. That's fair. That's good. That's, that's smart. So they don't waste anything. Smart business, man. It is. It Wafer is. thin. And let's be honest, like you can't, a broken Kit Kat is an abomination. No one's going to eat that. So, you know. Why not? To, oh, Why would mate, you eat a broken Kit Kat? Nah. It's, it's, it's like, I, you, you peel off chocolate and if, you get, if it gets like a weird angle and gets a big half chunk, that's okay. But a Kit Kat, I need that thing pristine condition for me. You are kidding me. You're a bit of a Kit Kat snob. Wow. A bit of a Kit Kat snob. Hey, so I've. Have um, a weirdo. So we were talking about well that too. We were talking about um, the balloon. Yeah, what was this that? balloon? But well, we were talking about balloon. But then I looked up the balloon World Cup. Now I'll just give you a little bit of rundown. The balloon yeah, World go. Cup. Thirty-two nations. Yep. Thirty-two competitors going head to head in a straight knockout. Um, so round of 32, 16. and of course it was won by uh, the the hot balloon. Um, Ticket in town, uh, Francisco de la Cruz from Peru. Um, and here is here is Francisco. And a courtesy of uh, YouTube, this is live. Well, not live, but this is this was the live commentary. Um, On the of, Balloon of the World, Cup. World Cup. Keeping it off the ground. Peru, más Peru que nunca. Como la había salvado el argentino, eh. Lo siento. It's much more dramatic than that. There's drama. There's drama at the Balloon World Cup. That gives you a taste. That gives you a taste. You can see it now. His fingertips just grazing the carpet and keeping it off the ground. That reminds me of a very funny story about a Spanish class I once sat in on. You can get me to tell you that at one point. That's, uh, that's a good laugh. Uh, hey, boys, loving the show. What about Kiwi Classic Ultimate Swing Ball? Good call. That's a good call. But, hey, turn why, that into a World Cup. Turn, yeah, easy to turn that into a World Cup. But you are listening to Summer Days with a little bit of craziness on a Wednesday. It's 10.52. Stephen McIver, and for me, Ian Smith, on SENZ.
10.57, coming your way after 11, we're going to talk to Mark Watson, a broadcaster extraordinaire who does not hold back on things that he needs to say, but he also does back it up with facts, and that's what I love about Mark. So he'll be the pan. Could have been the panel, but we just call him the pan after 11 o'clock. Lots to talk about, the All Black Year, the Warriors Year, the Olympics particularly. Mark, a commentator at the Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. We'll do the McFiver again. I'm not going so well on that one. Uh, and also your chance to be stumped by Stephen. Uh, it's jackpot. Is it 150? Uh, there's a TAB bet, right? 150 bucks with a TAB cash to slash, to splash. All right. Uh, you, now, look, I've been asking you lots of things, particularly uh, that we do the text of the week. And this week we're giving away the, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. So the text of the week wins a temper pillow worth $299. The best text of the month, which we are giving away on Friday. This is a hell of a Chrissy Prezi. Will win a temper queen package, including the temper queen mattress, Temper Queen adjustable base and two temper pillows. The value on that one, hold your breath, $10,000. That's right, $10,000 is the Temper Queen adjustable base, the pillows and the mattress. And that's what you could win if you fly in a very special text like this one. Because we did uh, ask about what's your favourite sporting moment of the year. And we can do this uh, throughout the next few days. Uh, hi, Stephen. I know you'd prefer a call. Yes, I would. But unfortunately, I can't. But I can get a text away. Thank you for responding to me. I do like the calls. 0800-150-811. You asked for my favourite sporting moment this year. Well, actually, there are so many to choose from, says Craig. Lisa Carrington's gold medals. How could you not put that? I mean, as we've, as we all are cynically saying, red hot favourite to win the ultimate Helberg Award. Ajaz Patel's ten wickets. Yeah, that's that's got to be up there, right? Bathurst because I love supercars. Watching Scott McLaughlin's first year in Indy cars. The Black Caps Test Championship win. But my favourite, I love this one, was the men's eight win gold in Tokyo. It was so unexpected and awesome to see the big boat back on top after so many years. It was because, <clears throat> and that's interesting you say that, Craig, because we're going to be talking to Hamish Bond, who was a member of that crew to win gold. But we're going to be talking to Hamish about something a little bit different. It's an interview we did before. It's one of our replay interviews uh, of really peak performers in 2021. You'll be surprised if you haven't heard the interview what he is going to be doing in a one-off in 2022 and why he is basically one of our most freakish athletes and has the biggest engine going around. That comes your way after midday today, Hamish Bond. This is SNZ Summer Days. It's 11. With Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ.
11.03 on a Wednesday morning nationwide with Stephen Mackay. But this is SENZ Summer Days. 0800 150 811 is the number. If you're listening on the app, you can listen anywhere, anytime, anywho. And if you're listening in Australia through SEN, hey, day, mate. How are you? I hope you're having a great Christmas. Uh, time to get busy. And I mean, when I mean get busy, uh, time for some opinion. No, hold, no holds barred. My good friend, I've worked with Mark a long time. He's a good buddy of mine, Mark Watson Watto. Watto, how are you, mate? Very good, Stephen. Great introduction, by the way. Paradise City, absolutely magnificent. You've got a couple of very good producers there, Stephen. Yeah, I, 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 I did have the inside all that maybe that was a favourite song of yours. Uh, how's it going, Watto? What, what? Did you, just, just a, a quick summary of the year. It, I know it's just I have read a text out about what's been happening in the world for Kiwi athletes. It's not a bad year, twenty twenty one. No, it's not. I mean, how often do you get the Olympic Games and and you know, every five years, which has been the case. And I think every time Olympics do come around, it's sort of, I think is a really good opportunity for New Zealand to shine on the international stage. And then, um, and so clearly that probably dominated much of the year. But there's been people like Lydia Ko coming back, um, Paul Cole and squash. I mean, is he not the most underrated athlete in New Zealand mm. sport at the moment? Winning that um, British Open squash championship, which is what, you know, the equivalent of winning Augusta in golf or winning Wimbledon in tennis. Um, you know, and, and, and it's often these individual athletes that sometimes tend to um, carry this country from a sporting point of view when maybe some of those teams that have carried us tend to fall over, and it's probably that case this year. <laughs> you just opened the door on the All Blacks. Those teams that oh, fall uh, yeah, over. There was such an open door. Okay, so for the first time since 2000... Stephen, the house of cards has come crumbling down. Hey, pal, back the truck up. Hang on, have a listen. Since 2009, <laughs> the All Blacks lose three tests. And I'm going, so what? Everyone else is crying. I mean, uh, let's be blunt. For you, is it a big deal? It, it needs to be a big deal, Steve. Look, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Is it a big deal? Do we really care? We have to care about the All Blacks because... The way New Zealand rugby has set up the game in this country, it has become so top-heavy that we've got, you know, we, we're sort of very nonchalant these days, aren't we, around the Mitre 10 car. We're sort of starting to get a little bit sort of carefree and a little bit more around super rugby. And if your favourite team loses, oh, well, you know, they'll always be next week. If we start doing that with the All Blacks, we are in real trouble and if New Zealand rugby is going to make it very much about the All Blacks, and that is where the resource is going to go, they need to be winning. And we can't start saying, oh, yeah, the judges on the World Cup. Because all we do, Stephen, then is reduce rugby to once every four years, and that is not a good position to be but, in. But we're in that position so, already. We're in that position already. They, they make it quite clear. We, we work on World Cup cycles. And, and you are quite right in saying the one area they have forgotten completely. And I, I tried to have an argument with a board member, uh, Bailey Mackey, about this, and he didn't bite on it. I said, is it not time to start, you know, rethinking how rugby is looked at in this country 
and get back to the grassroots and create a better pathway rather, Mark, than having young kids at 15 and 16 jump into academies, not experience club rugby, not have their face ground in the mud by old-timers to teach them how to play. A bit like the old rugby league adage, you know, you come up through the grades and reserve grade. The one grade below first grade is where you learn to, and I know that sounds really old school, you learn to be a bloody man and, and how to take a hit and get on with it. You learn how to play the game and go through adversity. Exactly, and I think that word adversity, Stephen, well summed up. These guys need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And I think one of the big problems, and this is certainly nothing against Sky Television, because I think they do a great job in terms of showing college rugby, and I was lucky enough to do the first two years, and I thought it was a great concept at the time. But if I'm New Zealand rugby now, I would be going to Sky Television saying, Sky, we love what you've done. We didn't realise maybe the fallout, what this might actually end up causing but I'd say to I'd say to um, the Sky the broadcast and say, look, we don't want you broadcasting college rugby anymore. We want you broadcasting club rugby. And I think that would be a big step in terms of maybe addressing some of those issues you've just brought up. Let's make club rugby then the stepping stone to higher honours. Let's not make schoolboy rugby the stepping stone. Here, here, because of these these kids who see themselves on telly, you know what it's like. They get on the Instagram, suddenly they're rock. They think they're rock stars. Then suddenly the world comes crashing down when they're pushed into uh, academies and then Super Rugby early, and you're wondering why are these kids not performing because they haven't actually learned to play rugby properly right and that's and that's and that's the crux of the matter and i just i just wonder why the union doesn't listen yeah and also i think in Auckland too we tend to have the bigger kids tending to get back and that tends to you know it, let's be honest the Maori Pacific Island kids tend to develop a little bit earlier too so often it's the bigger kids that get picked in these rep teams because they run through sides now We've all played with those big kids at times, and it is European kids occasionally as well. And the problem is with big kids who dominate, we tend as coaches to gravitate away from them. Oh, this guy's good. He doesn't need any help. But they often end up becoming a little bit one-dimensional because they rely so heavily on their size. Mm. And so when they do sort of suddenly get through to the senior ranks, well, size is no longer their uh, competitive advantage. It's no longer their point of difference. And so they find themselves lost, they find themselves deficient in their skill set. Where you tend to go a little bit further south, you look at the Conrad Smiths, you knew those guys would have to become the complete player to be able to take on the bigger kids. They never had size, so they had to be smarter. Andrew Merton's another one, and you do wonder whether those kids would have made it, or those players would have ever made it if they had played their rugby here in Auckland. And so you know, and if you are going to have rep, um, rugby, look, bring in weight-restricted rep teams and put as much emphasis on them. So under 60 kilograms, uh, under 70 kilograms, so that when these kids maybe mature a little bit later in their teenage years, they're still in the game. They're still an incentive to want to play. Yeah, look, I don't you know, develop ha- the skill set, then build the player season. Completely. I don't have a problem with rugby as such, right? Because at the highest level, it is actually a very cool game to watch. It's it's, it's magnificent to watch. Very the, cool. the, the, the constant flow and the emotion. And I, every time I say that, Richie McCaw comes to mind. I don't know why, you know, the, the constant man in motion. But rugby clubs are suffering and dying. Uh, unions are, are struggling to put together winter competitions because no one wants to play because that's just the way rugby has gone. So the, there has to be a strong emphasis on club rugby. 
you know, and and this this ties into more of a lifestyle thing, Mark, because I've been there. I've I used to be a a, a, a what a, a, a comms manager, you know, for fun for the Melville Rugby Club in Hamilton, right? The mighty the mighty Melville Magic. And the most important thing about that being part of that was the community. They are a they are a point where people can come together and be part of a community because that is one thing we are lacking in this country in the modern world now a sense of community where basically you look after each other what's the old line takes a community to you know raise a child no look absolutely Stephen really really well said and really really well summed up and the problem now is everything's about money isn't it it's just instant gratification Mark it's about instant gratification and the dollar I I think the players' associations also had a real impact. I think they're too powerful. I think you've got the tail wagging the dog. I think these players only start to see things through their own eyes and they're almost holding the gun at times to New Zealand rugby's head. And you do. You've got to have... Yes, you've got to have top-down, but you've got to have bottom-up for any sport to thrive, for any sport to be healthy. And we've got to get back to... You said you've got to get back to taking this game back to the community. But the other issue that they really do need to address, and this is clearly is a concussion issue as well, and there seems to be some work being done in that area, but you still sort of sense at the highest level with the pressure the coaches are under, the pressure on these teams that, you know, going away for a... What do they call it? A um, HIA or yeah. head assessment. Yeah, that's right, HIA. Field. I mean, to me, if a player loses their cognitive ability for five seconds, ten seconds, they should be off full stop and shouldn't even play the next week. It is a brain injury, Stephen. And you would not send your kids back out the following week if it was your kids and your wife was sitting next to you. So why do they do it with growing men? Well, look, I've suffered a brain injury. You and I have both been inside the square office and you got pretty much pummeled. I got pummeled in my two fights and I've been... been, well, you, mate, you got pummeled. I, hey, I got flat. I got, I got, I got pummeled in my first turn. It was my third one, which I won. I ended up in the brain injury unit uh, three days later uh, with a potential brain bleed, but it was just thankfully uh, spinal fluid that had popped in my head. But you know, I know what it's like, and and I still suffer the effects of maybe a little bit of short memory loss. Full stop. And that's after three fights of thinking I could box. And anyway, let's move on from the rugger because I want to ask you this question: of the Test Championship win and AJS Patel's. Test 10 wickets. What's, what is the, the most memorable for you? Because we all got pretty excited about that Test Championship win until the tenor. Yeah, interesting one. I think the Test Championship won, because it's in its infancy, I don't think we truly appreciate it at the moment. And I don't think world cricket truly appreciates it in those countries that didn't win it. And we saw a little bit of niggle coming from the Australians. Um, so I think that is a tournament that needs some time. It needs a bit of history. It needs an Australia and India to win it to put New Zealand's achievements in context. But oh, 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 hang on a minute, hang on. So you're you're saying it's uh, the achievement itself ain't that flash? No, I think it's flash. I just don't think it's truly recognised at the moment because it doesn't have history. Well, so, so, so you're tarnishing it a little bit with that statement. <laughs> yeah, look a little bit. I don't mean to. I don't mean to, but I think that's just natural with sport. It's like sometimes you don't appreciate a moment until 10 years later and you look back and reflect. Sometimes you need time to put a moment in context. Um, but the Patel one, I think, is simply remarkable when you look at the history of the game and, you, and you know, you look at only three players in history have done it. 
and mm-hmm. cricket is about records, and that is one of the more significant. But what makes it even more remarkable is the fact it was done in India against the Indians. Yeah. Um, and he's not yeah. even qualifying for the Hellbergs. He's outside that, which begs the question, the Hellbergs, are we done with that? Is it time to reshape how we how we show our appreciation for our athletes in a calendar year? Look, I think so. I think, to me, it should be right up to the 31st of December. I think that the problem with the Hellberg Awards is I just don't think there's ever really the level of due diligence done here. I think you can get a lot of... We're all guilty of it at time. You can be on boards, you can be on committees and stuff, and some people are more proactive on certain things than others. And mm-hmm. I think that if we owe it to these athletes. These athletes go out there, they don't leave a stone unturned, they're meticulous, um, they're searching for that elusive 1% in performance. And I think when it comes to the Halberg, if we are going to have these awards, we want to get judges who are prepared to go to that level of detail as well and try and gain some understanding of the magnitude of different sports. Because often here, it's really easy just to recognise and jump up and down about those sports that just happen to get the most television coverage here. Now, often those sports, Stephen, are just a little bit sort of world famous here in New Zealand. And where do they really sit that's, on the global stage? That's a very, that's a very good call. World famous in New Zealand. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, we know athletics is big in Europe, but that's pretty much about it as far as I can I can gather. And, you know, when we're, when we're honouring rock throwers and, you know, and rowers and kayakers and things like that for sports that really don't really – I suppose they're probably not the ones that generate a huge amount of money, right? But as you say, world famous in New Zealand. Am I being unfair? Look, I, I, I think, you know, like, like I, I, I sort of put the rowing and the kayak happening there on a global stage. And okay. I've only got to go to places like Hungary and stuff and realise just how big a sport it is there. It's almost a national sport, particularly in Eastern Europe. Um, rowing, oh, what I, you know, it, it's interesting. I worked at the Olympic Games with a gentleman by the name of Martin Cross. Now, Martin um, was doing the rowing in the first week when New Zealand won a lot of medals. And he, he himself was an Olympic champion back in 1980 and 84. And he was just telling you about the sheer amount of money that Great Britain put into their program and how disappointing their Olympic campaign is. But if you actually see the sheer amount of work that is required to become the best in the world in rowing, I will always, I'll always have no problem with our rowers being nominated when it comes to these awards. I'll never have any problem with those individual okay. endurance type athletes because I understand what it requires to get there. And the fact is, really, if you don't perform, you don't get paid, if you get paid at all. Yeah, no, fair play. All right, got to go, but i got two quick, two quick fire questions for you, Mark. Best sporting moment for you this year was... Men's high jump final, Tokyo 2020. Oh, that's only because, hang hang on, that's only because you called it on the telly. (laughs) Yeah, look, no, you're right, Stephen, but sport's about emotion, it's about a connection, isn't it? I mean, I turned up to the stadium expecting nothing, and then this thing delivered, whether you agree with it or not. Were you happy with the result, though? Were you happy with a joint gold medal? I think at the time I was, yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. Um, Taking that to side, I think the men's rally Nate probably stands out as, as, as I, I, I think, it's yep. another defining moment in New sport, clearly along with Carrington Street. Okay, that was good. But no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have taken the mickey out of you because I, I watched it too, Mark, and it was fascinating, that high jump. Uh, and, and I thought it was quite an Olympic moment when they shared, and I thought that was a really smart thing, despite what the naysayers would say. All right, your worst sporting moment of the year. 
Oh, the All Blacks, without a doubt. Yeah. Incredibly disappointing. Oh, man. Come no, no, There's more to bloody life than... There's more to life than the All Blacks, man. Come on. You, you tell our media that. You tell... You tell New Zealand rugby that. They're the ones that have completely gone and utterly bastardised the game, as we've already talked about, Stephen. And if you're going to do that, and if you're going to look at that top heavy, you win. And if you don't win, then there should be some consequences. Live by the sword, die by the sword, baby. It's so top heavy, Stephen. And (laughs) in the process of making it so top heavy, they have killed the game. So therefore, they must win. Therefore, they are the disappointment of the year for me. Good man. Happy Christmas, mate. You're welcome. You enjoy yourself, Stephen. <laughs> you too. 11.9. Should be on Sky. Yeah, well, that's just how life goes, buddy. I appreciate the thought. Thanks, mate. It's 11.19. Mark Watson, he'll be back on the radio, I think, on the 2nd of January here on SENZ. Do not be afraid to ring Mark because he is worth the chat. As am I, by the way, 0800 150 0800-150-811. Ooh, looks what's coming. Looks what's coming. That's great English. Uh, the McFiver. <laughs> Yeah, come on now, play it. I like that. I really like that. That's why I get a little excited. Sorry, eleven twenty-five. The Dukes, the Dukes, the Dukes, the Dukes. Uh, There's a funny story about that. Actually, the Dukes. We'd say the Dukes here, wouldn't we? In America, you'd say the Dukes. The Dukes. And it was like um, when I was walking around my school, and I'd say, um, "Oh man, I'd love a Mountain Dew," and they were like, "You, you can't call people that." I was like, what are you talking about? Mountain Dew. Oh, you mean Mountain Dew. Yeah, Mountain Dew is not a, uh, that is a very inappropriate uh, turn of phrase oh, in America. That's a, that's a goodie. Yeah. That is a goodie. I had, I had quite a few of those, actually. Like, when, when's my essay due? And they like, your essay's Jewish? What What are you talking about? Oh, it's due. Mate, you've lived, you've lived a lot for 28 years. Mind you, a lot, a lot of people are pretty excited that Watto's back on the radio. They Thanks. are, the great man. The great the man. Great Mark the great Watson. man. He was probably breathing through his eyelids and uh, locking himself in the hurt locker. No, and all that leave him alone. <laughs> I, love him. I love him. Hey, um, I'll, I'll head out to Mirawai this summer and grab a coffee down at the local cafe. He's a, he's a bit of a superstar down there. They all know him. First name basis. Well, as you would, little community. Yeah, great little community in your way. Um, oh, the McPfeiffer. Right. Here we go. Um, question number one, quick fire. Out of 10, yep. uh, what are you going to give this year in Kiwi sport? Oh, Out of 10. You, you know what? When you look at what people have been texting in rather than calling me, uh, I would have to give it an eight. Okay, that's strong. When you compare it, because, I mean, yeah, we Kiwis do Olympic well every year. Olympic year, right? Olympic year, Olympic year. But an eight's probably pretty fair. Isn't it? Yeah. I like would, when you think I, of the individual, the individual efforts. As yeah, well, I right? agree. I think, well, probably more so the individual, right? Yeah, completely. Um, I think the rowing eight is probably my number one. If I had to pick a moment this year, I think yeah. it's the rowing eight. I don't know. What, Actually, what was yours? I, I don't, don't know. If you gave know. Yours. You don't know. I don't know. But you know, for a non-cricketer, I got to say that Ajaz Patel ten, tenor mm. or tenfer, whatever yep. you want to call it. Yeah. When you look at the history of the game, and he's only the third person to do it. Mm. That's and on the subcontinent. Against got, India. In a place where he was born in Mumbai. Mm, Mumbai. You gotta go. That's that's that stands light years yeah. ahead of anything and even an Olympic gold medal. It's not like yeah, it's not like he was taking it on a on a green Kiwi wicket that we adopted no. to, you know, to no, our style. Or, or playing a mud team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um yeah, Bangladesh or something. So, you know, yeah, I think that could be up there as well. Um question number two. Uh we're talking uh, a little bit of boxing this afternoon. Yep. Oh, do we call it boxing? Yeah. Celebrity boxing. Right, mate, boxing is boxing and you're not even get, I'll just get angry with you because regardless <laughs> of whether you are a boxer or not. As soon as you walk in those ropes into the square office, 
you become a boxer mm. regardless of how good or bad you are. I'm just um, I, I I was bad. I'm very interested because obviously with uh, and and it's really blown up with. Uh, Jake Paul, and, but right. it also blew up with Conor McGregor yeah, yeah. when he went and fought Mayweather. Yeah, but you see, the Jake Paul thing is different. He's a tool, right? Yep. And he's just doing, and I don't, and that's what I don't like. Okay, right? He's 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 going around saying, "Look at me, I'm a really good boxer." When I see Canelo Alvarez has come out and said, hey, "Tell you what, mate, come and have a little spa with me, and I'll show what a real man does." Yes, and now you're getting MMA fighters as well saying, "Come into the MMA ring," because you're yep. fighting all these old MMA guys. Come into the MMA ring, actually do some MMA. As soon as someone dumps him on his backside, it'll be done. <sighs> yeah, I agree. I was, um, yeah, I was just wondering um, with celebrity boxing. In my mind, it's almost, almost just as um, safe. What's that? Just as long as it's safe. Yeah, no, but I mean celebrity as in like the Jake Paul, the Jake oh. Paul guys, and I'm wondering if. Uh, I don't know, in 10 years' time, whether that's almost going to overtake regular no. boxing. Because well, God help us if it does. I know. I agree. Yeah, well, it's not I a reality agree. show. Uh, question number three. Um, I want to ask you, Stephen McIver, what the worst Christmas present you ever received was. <laughs> Surely there's something that you opened up and you were like, ah. Uh, a really bad platter that was foul. Like it was... It was just a foul... Was it wrapped? A, yeah, it was a platter, but I went... I, it was a wrapped platter. A wrapped platter. <laughs> a wrapped platter, and I, and I, and I Jesus went... Cheeses and... and, and I, I went... And, the, and, and these people were loaded. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that makes it worse when you know, and, you know what, they, they could, what they could have given you. And the taste. It wasn't about that, but you're going, oh, nice taste. Not. They could have given you a number plate. For, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Number 51. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick funny story. The worst present I ever received, I was uh, 10 years old, and uh, Uncle Dave was very late to Christmas. Um, and everyone was, where the heck's Uncle Dave? And, um, yeah. yeah, he texted someone saying, I'm just running a little bit late. So he, he rocked up about an hour and a half late. We're already opening presents. Everyone's uh, into the day. And uh, he rocks them with just a big sack of things. Um, and he just starts passing them out and uh, 10 year old Sam gets uh, a little square package and I open it up and um, it's a thermos just a it's just a you know like a like thermos. a cup thermos thing what? and my brother next to me who was only 12 years old got a socket set oh. and what Uncle David done in his rush to Christmas day he had just stopped in at the local super cheap auto and <laughs> literally just grabbed a whole bunch of stuff off the shelf hey thought that counts. Well, I don't think there was much thought in that <laughs> at all. What's thinking? That, that was a, I'm telling you, I never used that thermos once as a 10-year-old as a kid. Uh, question number four, yep. and we're, we're getting close to news here. Question number four, um, tell us, Scotty McLaughlin, yep. um, we had a chat to him just after 10 o'clock. For those of us out there like me who aren't major motorsport yeah, yeah. fans, compare how he's sort of doing an IndyCar to, to you know, supercar. Too early. Too okay. early. Uh, learning. Completely different type of car, type of style. This year, you'll see improvement. He's learned mm. a lot, and he's a fast learner. Yeah. So we predicted he'd win a race this year. Nah, he'll win a race somewhere this year. Great. That's huge. And and trajectory-wise, he's... Tra- trajectory-wise, rookie of the year in your first year when you've never raced open wheelers. Yeah, just watch out. Okay. Can't wait for that. And finally, question number five, it's yep. a would you rather, which we do every day. Yep. Um, would you rather, and I know you ran into this problem the other day with your computer, would you rather have... Unlimited battery life on all of your devices, phones, laptop, yes, yes. you never have to charge it, ever. Yeah. Last forever. Yeah. Or you have free Wi-Fi wherever you go. No, unlimited battery life all day, every really? day. All day, every day, unlimited battery life. Oh, there give me go. that Wi-Fi anywhere, anytime. <laughs> ECNZ. Oh. It's 11.31. Time to update what's happening in the world. Kaiba 0800 150811. That's a, that's a really nice weather sort of song. And according to Justin, it is a beautiful fine day in Greymouth, not a shower in sight. I know it well. I spent 18 months in Grey. I was a bit of a Cobden supporter.
All right, if you know Greymouth well, go over that Cobden Bridge and have a look around over that way. And played for Renunga in hockey. The old black and whites are all right, Renunga. Anyway, TAB time. Bet uh, live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Pip Morris, a good morning to you. Good morning to you too, Stephen. Not too far away from Christmas either. That's not. Are we going to the dogs today? We certainly are. We've got plenty on for the racing side of things. Addington Greyhounds 12 race program. We've also got Palmerston North kicking in just before around 2 o'clock. They've got an 11 race card, so plenty to look forward to across both of those programs. Like Rose have been race number 11 there at Addington. She's around $2. For the Gallup side of things, New Plymouth, we've got the nine races, Twilight Meeting, starting at 2.26 this afternoon. There's a $25,000 guaranteed late quaddie there, $10,000 guaranteed first fours, and they're playing the hot jock. So the hot jock is back, which is, you can back the hot jock of the day, which is Michael McNabb, who's absolutely flying, leading the premiership at the moment. He's got nearly a full card. If he doesn't win on his ride, if you get second, third, or fourth, you can get refunded back up to $50 as a bonus bet. So that's a really nice incentive as well. That's a great line, a hot jock. Hot jock. Hot jock, yes. Hot jock. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll like that. <laughs> Is there anything else going that you've got it to, uh, for a sniff on in other sports, or just, are we just talking uh, dogs and horses at the moment? No, we certainly have the sports. Of course, NBA, plenty of basketball games on today, and there's some power plays around them. Now, the most popular power play seems to be LeBron James and Ingram to combine 50-plus points as well as 15-plus rebounds and 12-plus assists at $5.50 seems to be the most shopped option there around those power plays. And you can check them all out. Plenty of options there around all the basketball games today. Thanks, Pip. Talk again. Promotions. Sounds good. Yeah, that's good. It is good. It is good. Yeah. Promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit the tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. Uh, R18. Just a quick quick text in here. Uh, it says, uh, Zaid, our mate Zaid says, what about the moment of the year? Alexander Volkanovsky's won against Brian Ortega. Yeah, that's that's a good, Zaido, 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 Mato, that is a good one. All right, you know what time it is. Time to try and stump Stephen. Get on the phone, blow it up. If you've never done it before, have a crack. Be a first-time player on Stumping Stephen. 0800 150811. It's 0800-150811. Just remember, it's jackpotted. Bing! To 150 bucks. Stumped by Stephen. 11.41 summer days on SENZ. The jackpot now is at a, uh, what, a, a betting tab of 150 bucks oh, at the yeah. TAB, right? So 150 that, big ones. A, 150 big ones before Christmas would be rather nice, I would say, <laughs> Sam. So there you go. Let's see if anyone can stump Stephen. That's right. And we've got Scott first <laughs> in line uh, on the phone. We got you there, Scott? Yeah, how we doing, boys? Yeah, very well, mate. Very, very well. Rightio, Scott, we've got um, two categories that have uh, remained from yesterday and actually from Monday. They've yet to be taken. Uh, boxing and football. The third category today is cricket. So which of the three categories do you want to pick up, mate? Uh, let's go cricket. Okay, so boxing and football really are getting a bad rub here, uh, Stephen. So three questions. Uh, Scott, um, if, you, you have, if you get all three, if you get the third one, um, then you will win the $150 TB bonus bet, as well as some sleep drops from Sleep Drop NZ. Um, so it's time to play Stump by Stephen. Question number one, Scott. At which venue did Brendan McCullum score his 300 against India? 
there'll be the fights in reserve. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well done, he's just danced down. Bye-bye. That one's in the stands. So question number one, he's, he's done well. First ball, get your eye in. Question number two, Sachin Tendulkar has the most test cricket centuries in history. Which South African sits in number two? Uh, Steve Smith. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Stephen? i got no idea. Is this Steve Smith an Australian? Um, it's a South African. Oh really? I said uh, which South African sits. I know, but but didn't you? Isn't but he said Steve Smith. Isn't Steve Smith an Australian or was Steve Smith no, a no, South he, African as well? It, no, he's an Australian. Yeah. So who do you think it is? I got no freaking idea. Just throw out a name. Uh, let me think. I can't even think of a South African cricketer. Pass. The answer was Jacques Cullis. So uh, he's he's let that one go through to the keeper, but uh, the keeper's fumbled it behind the stump. So this is the big one. Uh, Scott, if you can get this one, mate, the $150 TB bonus bet and the sleep drops are all yours. Question number three. Does Nathan Lyon bowl left or right-handed, and does he bowl off-spin or leg-spin? So you need to answer both parts of that question. Does he bowl left or right-handed, and does he bowl off-spin or leg-spin? Um, I'm going to say right-handed. That's correct. And off-spin. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, he's done it. He smashed it over the boundary for six to finish the over. Scotty, you got yourself a $150 TUB bonus bet, mate, and you've got some sleep drops. Uh, thanks to uh, Sleep Drops NZ. You can try NZ Sleep Drops uh, for all ages, lifestyles, stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. We've got a winner, Well Stephen. done, buddy. Oh, you mate, thanks, thanks for picking a, a subject that I'm completely thick-headed about, okay? Really appreciate that no one. No trouble. <laughs> What are you? What do you throw? That what are you going to throw some of that coin on? Probably, uh, oh, we'll put a bit behind the black caps over the uh, over the summer. Oh, okay. Well, were they your were they your sporting moment of the year, or was winning the Test Championship, or was Ajaz Patel's tenfer? Well, not tenfer. I'd have to go the team. I'd have to go the uh, Test Championship. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Nothing against Ajaz. I just think um, you know it was so long between successes for um, for the Black Caps, and that was uh, top of the mountain for me. No, well, that, that's fair enough. Have you got your Christmas sorted, Scott? No. No. <laughs> oh, mate, just, <laughs> Let's not bring that up. Okay. Oh, all right, mate. All right. You sound to sound a bit flat about that one. All right, mate. Well, from all of us here, congratulations, mate. That hundred and fifty dollar uh, uh, goes in your TAB account, and have a happy Christmas, mate. Hey, thanks for that. Appreciate that. Thanks for the TAV and for sleep drops. Yeah, you're more than welcome. There's Scotty from Christchurch, uh, Windsor, stumped by Stephen, which, well, you know what, Sam, it was never going to be hard to stump me when it comes to cricket. You know, you just you set him up. You set him up. Well, right? he's got the choice of three categories. He picked his strength, oh, so good on him. You know, play the politician. And, 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 Come um, on. You know, maybe your glove. Maybe we just gave you the wrong pair of gloves or something there behind the stumps. <laughs> a little bit loose. Uh, but you'll get, they'll get a chance to do it again all tomorrow, was, Stephen. Oh, and yeah. the chase. Coming up uh, later on in the show, um, oh, where that's and that's sports, that's sports quiz, right? It is just general knowledge. So just, just a just a, just a jambalaya. Of, you see, it would have been nice if you'd thrown something non-sporting there, because I, I sort of 
Yenna. Okay, it was a Yenna. I'm here to stitch you up. Um, and <laughs> for that, because we've uh, jackpotted that a couple of times yeah. on the afternoon show, that is $120 of BK bucks. So we're just pricey today. $120 of BK bucks. Actually, BK bucks, they're our local hero people, aren't they? The BK look after our local hero. You can nominate your local hero by texting local, followed by your hero's name and what they do to double eight, double three. And I think uh, from memory it was Myra, Myra from the Star Rugby Club in Invercargill, uh, who did the housey, was the local hero last week. So if you have a local hero, text the hero's name and what they do to double eight double three, and this Friday we'll announce a Burger King local hero of the week, and they'll win forty dollars Burger King burger bucks. You know when I think, you know when I think about local heroes straight away. You know who I think about straight up. No word of a lie. David Latelli, the brown butter bean, who does you know his BBM movement, uh, which is about a fitness movement and getting people off their backsides, uh, particularly people who are incredibly overweight in the South Auckland area, uh, which is just, uh, you know, it's it's an, a, a bit of an endemic uh, pandemic out that way. Uh, but also the fact that during this whole uh, COVID pandemic, he has been going long and far in providing food to people. And he has been very good. And finally, I was so pleased to see that he uh, the other day, probably three weeks ago, being the other day, uh, he finally got the uh, Ministry of Social, whatever they're called, uh, to finally fund him. He has been struggling for over two years to try and get government backing for a service that was required. They kept turning him down, saying he wasn't wasn't doing it. So he had a local, I think it's a local countdown or one of those big supermarkets come to play and they came into it, right? And then other people helping him out. He's got his crew, and then the government came in and finally said they saw what he was doing. He is tireless, and the one of the and yes, he uses his social media channels to perfection. But you know what? He's one of the most humble individuals you'll ever meet. You'll walk away from David Telly going, "Oh, I, I, I do nothing," you know. He, he, and it's not that he makes you feel like that. It's just that what he does is a constant. It is a constant, and, and what sadly, it, 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 he reflects back on where he came from. He was, I, I remember the brown butterbean when he first rocked up uh, to a Duco event as a, he was, he was a, a clown. He was, the, he admits, he was the circus clown. I remember one, one boxing event in Christchurch, he turned up uh, like a, in all this army kit, like a gorilla, you know, like the, the, where, you know, the, the, the bandoliers of guns and, and he was fun, but then he suddenly realized this is what wasn't he wasn't about. So if you're talking about local heroes, that's at the top of the tree. But there are so many other people around the place that are doing so much other good. So double eight double three Friday will announce the Burger King local hero of the week, who will win a forty bucks worth of Burger King burger bucks. And this is SNZ Summer Days. It's ten to midday. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver. And for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Eleven fifty-five on a Wednesday nationwide with Stephen McIver on SENZ Summer Days. You can listen on the app anywhere, anytime on the go. It's the best way to do it, actually. And if you're listening in Australia on the SEN app, hello to you. It's been a busy old morning coming your way after lunch today. Alex Rufa, captain of the. 
Wellington Phoenix, who have an FFA Cup quarterfinal tonight against Melbourne City. But we are going to quiz him about what is going on with their A-League form, where they currently sit 10th on the table out of 12 with one win and one draw because their game against Sydney FC, got to say, wasn't flash. Also, uh, a look-back interview. and We did it last week, but it was such a good interview we thought we'd uh, play it again because the subject matter and the individual is just a... Well, he's just a special one. Hamish Bond, Olympian, and soon to be something else. But I'm not going to give it away if you haven't heard the interview, all right? That's coming your way after midday today on SNZ. Oh, yes, and The Chase. Right, our version of The Chase, which I know Sam's starting to fizz at the bung about. But at the same time, The Spanish Story. You gave me a little bit of a teaser. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you The Spanish Story. So, yeah. hola. Hola. I'm pr- I don't think I've told this one on air. If I have, I apologise. But um, when I was in America and I was at my high school, you had to take a language course, right? Oh, yeah. That's pretty standard at most schools. Um, and so I was looking through the course curriculum and I just saw Spanish 101. I thought, sign me up <laughs> Spanish 101. That's the classic, right? Spanish 101. Spanish 101. Yeah. Now I went to them and, and they said, look, that doesn't fit your schedule, but you can do Spanish 102, which is basically, <laughs> it said, if you had done languages before, and I had done Japanese and Māori in high school, so I thought, you know, I'll be able to that, I fit that category. So Spanish 102. So anyway, I'm trying to find the class on my first day of school and um, I'm there as a postgrad, right? So I'm there as an 18 year old and I'm going into a 101 class, 102 class with 13, 14 year olds, right. first years. So I struggle finding the class first and foremost. But I eventually find it, I walk in, I'm, I'm 10 minutes late. So there's one chair left, it's like a U shape and it's one chair left against the door on the side. I sit, so everyone looks at me as I walk in and I'm just this 18 year old, they're all kids and I sit down. And I say, anyway, the, the teacher at the front is, um, is and I'm just thinking, she's probably doing one of those big <laughs> Spanish intros and then and then the English will come after, right? Like, you know, in Māori, they do, they'll give their, um, yes. their um, mihi and then they'll give the English version afterwards. So she's just rattling on and it goes on for just that like little bit too long for me to think like, when's the English coming? And then she goes to the first person at the other end of the U and sort of says, and the person goes, uh, me amo Steven, uh, and just starts talking base level Spanish. And I'm thinking, okay. I turn to the guy next to me, I'm like, do you understand? And he's like, oh, just a little bit, a little bit. And I was like, okay, sweet. Goes around the room, everyone. Me amo Brian, they start talking reasonable Spanish. And I'm just sweating bullets. It comes around to me. And she turns to me and she goes, And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. And she just goes, Doesn't talking. I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on here. I literally just looked at her and I said, Look, I'm going to go now. Because I don't know what's going on. And I just picked up my bag in front of all these people and I just walked out of the class because I had no idea. I went straight to the careers office or like the schedule and they said, oh yeah, we, we are full immersion here. So the teachers oh, don't speak wow. English. They, you are forced to just learn by... I said, is there any class taught in English? And she said, well, you can take Latin. <laughs> Sign me up for Latin. And, I, and so I did Latin for a year. Oh my gosh. Do yeah. you remember any of your Latin? Absolutely not. Oh, and I don't think I did very well. That, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so, Full immersion. You're sitting oh, there like... Uh, and I, I was waiting for her to talk. And I'm like, surely she's going to talk. And I say I'm going to leave the class. Surely she's going to say, hold on, mate. Hold on. You know, And she, she didn't even explain it. She just let me leave in Spanish. That opens up some story. Have you got a story like that where you've just gone into a situation thinking that it was going to be okay, but you just were, were dumbfounded? Uh, let us know on 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 11. 
that first part where you're going, bada, 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 was that actually Spanish or were you just, no, it wasn't, it wasn't. It's gibberish. Mate, good Spanish gibberish. More gibberish coming with uh, me after midday. We talked to Alex Rufa, Wellington Phoenix skipper, and Hamish Bond and the chase. Stick with us. Summer days on SENZ. In McIver, and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. on a Wednesday afternoon. If that doesn't get you into your lunch, eating the sammies, sucking down something cold, I don't know what does. Avalon, yeah, we just love a bit of that Van Halen to get us going into the afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Stephen McIver. Summer days on SNZ. You know the number, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. What's bugging you? What's annoying you? What do you love about the year of 2021 sports-wise? Ring me, tell me, and let's have a bit of a gas. In the meantime, we look forward to the chase, our version of the chase after half past 12 and hearing what Hamish Bond is getting up to in 2022. But right now our focus is on football and the Phoenix, they are struggling with a capital S in the A-League at the moment. Yes, early season. Tonight they play their sixth game in 20 days in the FFA Cup quarterfinal against Melbourne City. But it's their A-League form which is of a concern they're sitting 10th out of 12, one win, one draw. Their skipper, Alex Rufer, joins us right now. Alex, let's be blunt. Can you pinpoint why the team is struggling at the moment? Look, um, unfortunately, as you said, we're struggling. We've had a few uh, poor results recently. Um, and, you know, when, uh, when that happens, we need to fight harder and, and, and uh, just go back to basics to try to turn it around. We've got a good group of boys. We've got a lot of young players who have energy. And we've got a lot of good, experienced players too. So... Um, we're a close unit, and um, I'm positive we'll turn it around. Yeah, it's interesting that you said you had a lot of young players, and then you threw an experience because uh, many people on this side of the Tasman are suggesting it's very young, and that's why you're struggling with the the step up. Is that unfair? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say you know um, I wouldn't say that. I think you know if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough, and we've got good players. Um, I think, you know, we do have a young squad, as you said, but we're their good players. And, you know, we have energy, we're a close group. And look, uh, in football, sometimes this happens. We're in a, we're in a you know, two, we've two games on the bounce now. And, you know, we, we're all eager to turn it around. And we, we, and we have to. Um, we're not going to give up. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to fight to turn this around. Yeah, it is certainly early days, Alex. I looked at that Sydney game and I thought, did you guys feel bullied in that first half at all? Or did you just, you know, was it a little overwhelming why they came at you? Not at all. I um, I think, look, unfortunately, we Sydney are a good team. And I think maybe we respected them a little bit too much, unfortunately. Um, you know, we, 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 we conceded a, a very, very poor goal. Um, but, you know, we went in at, at uh, half-time, 1-0 down, and I thought when we came out in the second half, we we, we showed a good reaction. And, um, you know, I think that's how we needed to start the game. 
Um, and then, of course, we conceded the, the second goal, which, you know, it's always in a, a massive uphill battle, 2-0 down against Sydney. But, um, look, uh, it's good learning. Um, you know, of course, you don't want to have to, to lose to learn, but we have to we have to learn from these moments. And um, as I said, we, we're, we're eager to turn this around, and we will. If you were honest with yourself, where do you think you're dropping the ball, so to speak, defensively? I think as a unit, unfortunately, we've just been um, we've considered a few poor goals and, and and too easy. I think we need to just go back to basics as a group and, and as a team and and just find um, and go back to what works. That's just you know making the game simple, not not complicating things. And you know we're, we're, our team is based on defensive structure and defensive shape and working hard to, to stop the opposition. Um, you know we're, we're not happy we can see we've been conceding goals recently and. Um, no, we, we, it's the same thing. We, we have to be eager to turn this around as well. Do you, do you feel that you're, the, the whole team is, is buying into the coach's defensive system? Oh, of course. There's never, there's never any doubt in that. Every player, every player um, has bought into the culture, bought into what he wants to do. And look, um, you know, I, I completely, I, I, I do not agree with that at all. Um, I think, you know, the the players we have are, are very good players and we're all very strong mentally and, and look, this is a bit of a bump in the road but we're going to get over the bump so um, we have to be positive. How challenging is it being on the road at the moment? I'm hearing you do, You guys are doing a lot of travelling, a lot of training. I mean, is it becoming a bit of a grind and, and you need to find that, that, that balance? Look, it's never easy. Look, I mean, being away from home, in Australia for a long time it's not easy we've had to adapt and look it's um, it is challenging but look we're, we're up for that and you know every player has done extremely well to, to try adapt as best as possible um, but look the travel we have had recently with all the games has been tough but look we're professionals and uh, we're, fit, we're fit and strong and you know that's why we play so that's why we, we love football to play games and um, I think that's that's been a blessing for us um, yes we we uh, I think at times we, we may be fatigued, but look, that, that's why we play. It's, um, it's, it's a joy. Look, it's not all bad because you tonight you play an FFA Cup quarterfinal against uh, Melbourne City. The, the genuine excitement at the camp about this? Of course. Um, you know, the first time we've made the quarterfinals of the FFA Cup, so, you know, our, our goal is to win it. You know, we want to win. Um, you know, we've come this far, so why not? I think, you know, Tonight, uh, we're really excited, and you know it's a great opportunity for us to turn around again the uh, a poor result that's just happened, and um, you know really show a good reaction and, and win the game. And I suppose, in many ways, Alex, it's, it's one result can turn the tide of a season. It could be one of those seminal moments, right? Of course, that's, and I think that's why it's a blessing that we've been playing so many games because you know we had a poor result against Newcastle, then we had a great. A great uh, reaction against Avondale, um, you know, and, and again against Sydney, poor result. But now we uh, have a great opportunity to turn around tonight. And we can only wish you the best for that, Alex. So, what plans do the team have for Christmas? Oh, we're going to get together as a group and have a barbecue. Um, so we're really you know, that'll be good just to get everyone together and. Uh, and try and make it as, as enjoyable as possible. Yeah, I can imagine it's pretty being tough being away from loved ones, mate. But uh, keep flying the flag. Uh, everybody loves watching the Phoenix play, so uh, go get them tonight. Thank you.
Well, it's a twelve Thanks minutes. Your time, Alex. It's twelve minutes past ten, and uh, there uh, has just been an update since we've just got off the blower. And uh, Alex will not have known this, uh, but that match has been postponed. Uh, COVID, a COVID postponement, a no COVID case in the Wellington Phoenix. So obviously there has been a case in the Melbourne City. So that match, which was timed for nine thirty this evening, a quarterfinal of the FFA Cup, has been postponed. So he'll only just be finding that out right now. So. Man, oh man, are you? I'm tired. I'm tired of. I'm tired of COVID. I'm just, you know, new fear and it comes out. It's. I'm. I'm done with it. It's COVID fatigue. They say. I have. I definitely have COVID fatigue because I was going to say, uh, uh, Ufuk Tele had said they're going to go with a strong squad. We win this one. You win the next one. And then we've got an opportunity to win a trophy. So all those thoughts are going to have to be put on hold. Uh, they they were going to start rookie keeper to Alex Paulson, the 19 year old, who looked pretty good actually in the first uh, stages of his debut in the two one loss to Sydney. Ollie sale is unavailable. They're still trying to figure out what's going on with his injured hip. So, breaking news, breaking news, the FFA Cup quarterfinal between the Wellington Phoenix and the Melbourne City has been postponed. A COVID case, it would appear, in the Melbourne City camp. It's 11 minutes past midday. Coming next, one of our truly great athletes, amongst different codes, Hamish Bond is next. Wow. 12.16, and that is producer Brian's own music. I know you're thinking of me, mate. I appreciate that. I th- appreciate the sentiment. What's the... Man, I... Wow. It's, actually, it's actually DJ movement. Uh, DJ... That is... That's, that's B-Man. Talk to me. That's you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Written, produced, I recorded it, I mixed it, I made the music, did, did everything. What do you call DJ Movement? Is that what you're Yeah, MC Shadow, DJ Movement, or Shadow Movement as uh, one. Uh, MC, Revealed a secret. I, I do like MC MC Shadow. Man, that's cool. Just pump it up a little bit there. Just. I'm thinking, I've been thinking. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, could, I could listen to this. Man, congratulations. That's outstanding. How old's the song? Oh, it's probably a couple of years now. Uh, not dating. You're probably about the sixth person to ever hear it, though, so. Not dating and all our uh, S- Yeah, and the whole of New Zealand. And so. all our <laughs> SNZ listeners. MC Shadow, producer Brian. Nice job, my friend. 12.17. Big day tomorrow. A bit of a motorsport bent to it. Uh, we're going to start the show off tomorrow with two-time world motocross champion uh, Courtney Duncan on her last day of MIQ. And then after then, we'll go back into MIQ and talk to the very talented Liam Lawson, who's just completed his first F1 test with Alpha Tori. And we're going to talk to the CEO of the A-League, Danny Townsend, about how they got a Silver Lake deal. That's right. The Silver Lake capital company bought into the A-League and the All Blacks can't get a Silver Lake deal right now. So and they, the advantages they see of having that. So it's a busy old day tomorrow, Thursday, as we now do what we've been doing all week. We're playing some interviews from the stars of 2021. And one of those is Olympian Hamish Bond, who added to his resume with another Olympic gold medal, this time in the Blue Ribbon event, the Men's Eight. Now, this is an athlete like who likes to challenge himself. Remember he took a break from rowing, went on to win a Commonwealth Games cycling bronze in the time trial in Gold Coast? Well, you can imagine my surprise when I read Hamish Bond Rally Driver. He's going to be a guest driver at next year's Otago Rally, which led me to ask him, what were you thinking, Hamish? 
Um, maybe I'm not thinking. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the opportunity. Got, actually, the the organisers, uh, Roger Oakley down there, they got in touch with me about being a guest driver last year, but obviously with uh, build up. Well, that would be this year, I suppose. Um, the event this year, but with the, that sort of conflicted with the build up to the Olympics, and obviously needed to give that my full attention. So I said, look, get it back in touch with me next year if um, if the opportunity is still there. Uh, so they reached out and said, hey, would you still like to become a rally driver? And I thought, oh, why not? That's not going to fall at my feet uh, too many times. So, yeah, give it a go. Okay, so complete novice or any experience or desire to do this? Uh, no, no, zero experience, no misspent youth, no paddock racing, almost zero driving of manual transmission in my car history, to be honest. Um, so I'm coming in, yeah, with zero. I've been in the passenger seat a few times, done a few hot laps, and I've done five minutes with Emma Gilmore in a rally car. So I've seen how the professionals do it and how fast they can go. Um, so I am, I'm, yeah, I'm vaguely aware of it, uh, but certainly behind the wheels, yeah, I experience. So what process do you now have to go through to to make the grade safely? Um, well, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I've been asked, you know, do you need a license or anything like that? And I've not been told that I do. I believe it just turned up um, and been very lucky to have the support of Magnum Motorsport, uh, based in Christchurch, have supplying my Subaru Impreza. Um, and I've found their co-driver, Grant Mara, who's been, you know, super helpful and a whole lot of experience and, and sort of, you know, trying to get me up to speed. So, uh, yeah, it's just a learning process. Um, I played, played a few bit of PlayStation when I, about 15 years ago in my youth, so I can draw on that uh, experience. But other than that, she's just going to be a learning process over the next few months. You do realise that, you know, trying to go rallying is probably even danger, more dangerous than going sort of just circuit racing because, you know, handbrakes, side car going sideways, all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, like I think I just have to have danced that fine line between, you know, I think that's the thing with rally, as soon as you think you know what you're doing and you're confident, then you end up facing the wrong way, so... Um, or a tree. Uh, so it's about, <laughs> I guess, sticking within my, the limits of my capabilities. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not, the, the goal for me is not beat Hayden Patton, the goal for me is to finish the <laughs> event. Well, so I'm, I'm realistic. I'm going to be, I assume, I don't know if it's minutes or hours behind, but significantly behind. I'm not, I'm not there to win. I'm there to yeah. enjoy the experience, get from the start to the finish safely, essentially. Yeah, well, our good friend from Skyspeed, Avalon Biddle, who you may know, who is a uh, bike racer, yes. was the guest driver last year. And she putted along and had a really good time and in a safe environment too. So uh, if, you, if you want some advice, give Avalon a call and she'll uh, you tell you what to expect. Hamish, you, you appear to me, I don't know, unsettled. I mean, are these challenges? Do you, do you want to keep pushing yourself to do different things? You know, we know what you've done. You're an, an incredible ambassador for this country and, and a beast of an athlete. And you, you hopped on a bike and won a bronze medal at Commonwealth Games. What next apart from this? Um, oh, look, I mean, I am settled, I guess, at the moment and enjoying my summer. Um, have three young children, so any spare time that I do have, I'm yeah. keeping fit, um, but any spare time that I do have is easily up by then, um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't go out searching for for the opportunity to drive at the Otago Rally. That sort of came to me, and I think yeah, you'd be the same if it came to your seat. You'd go, Hell okay, yes, yeah. they didn't ask me. Yeah, yeah. I never get to yeah, drive well, anything. Maybe next year you'll, you'll have to you have to hit them up next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's, that's basically the way it worked, you know. And, and I thought an opportunity too good to pass up, and obviously get to do it in my hometown in Dunedin. Um, that's you know where my roots are, and you know still got my family down there. So hopefully they'll be able to come out to the, some of the, the stages and I, I don't know if you're su- be supporting me 
Uh, well, I'm sure they will be. Yeah, they'll be they will, mate. Me. They will. As, as you putter along 50 minutes behind everybody, they will be yeah, supporting exactly. you. you know, that's, that's the most important <laughs> they, might, they, might, they might lower their caps. <laughs> when you reflect on this year and that gold medal in the eight, does it sink in the importance of winning that, that gold medal in the eight? Yeah, I think it's been, in some ways, it's been a bit of a shame. You know, it's, it was great that we were able to get to the event and to achieve the result we did, but, um, you know, straight off the back of the games, in my queue and then straight into lockdown, there hasn't been that sort of post-Olympic glow period, which I've experienced in the past, particularly after London was really noticeable, slightly less after Rio. Um, but, yeah, just the nature of events, that, that hasn't really happened, which for me is not such a big deal, but I think quite a shame for the other guys who, you know, didn't really get to experience um, and not get the adulation but, or recognition. That's not what you do it for, but it, it is certainly nice uh, to, I guess, yeah, I suppose it is some, some recognition or just acknowledgement of your achievement and, like you say, help, help that sink in because uh, I suspect some of them don't really quite... They're so young, you know, like I've been told 15 years by all the old boys in the sport, when are we going to do the eight, the eight, the eight, the eight? You know, I've, I've met everyone who was alive pre-72 and been told half a thousand times about how we need to do the eight and that's going to be, um, you know, the be-all and end-all. And, and, I, and I felt that and that was my motive, or part, certainly part of my motivation for coming back to the sport from cycling and, and taking on that challenge was that I knew that winning the eight and climbing that, I guess, Everest of the sport would 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 uh, you know be different to what to the success that we've had in the past. And I think that's been reflected in my you know my experiences around the streets here in Mount Monganui. Um, you know, people have, have have been very congratulatory and and very uh, you know it's been a, a great experience getting that uh, knowing that we have had and have had an effect and and mm-hmm. that um, that you know the eight just it, it's different. The the I think the events you know what we do here can I Maho Rob they sort of reflect uh, individual ability and you know physical you know freak of nature sort of status. But winning the eight is bigger than that. You need good athletes, but you need a good system. You need depth, and it's about country versus country as opposed to athlete versus athlete, and it, it takes it to a different level. So to line up in a final against the pillars of eight rowing, um, you know, there's only a small number of countries who have ever won the eight. It's basically Germany, USA, the, um, and the and Great Britain. You know, they're pretty much the only countries that have won it. Um, and they were sort of all the, the major countries represented in the final. And then to be there, New Zealand, far smaller, far, I guess, less obvious uh, boat to be in the final and then to, to really perform on the day and, and win was, I wouldn't say we pulled a rabbit out of the bag. I, I knew, or out of the hat, I knew we were capable of it and I knew it added up empirically, but to actually go and achieve it um, was, yeah, I, even I was a little yeah, surprised, I guess, or just, um, yeah, blown away. I've always wondered what motivates you. Is it the desire for success, the desire to challenge yourself? What is it? Um, it's a, probably a little bit of all of that, I, I suppose. Uh, I've, I think it's kind of, it's been just wondering if I can. You know, that, that you sort of get to the top of top of a hill and then you look over and there's another hill and you go, oh, maybe I could. Uh, so, you know, you never know unless you give it a go. Uh, and, and that was probably certainly the process for cycling. Um, I'd always been interested to, I'd, you know, I'd dabbled when I was training, but I'd never really taken it seriously. But I thought, well, what would happen if I took this seriously? So gave that a go and got 
got a got a fairly good understanding of what my limits were. And the same sort of process with the eight. It's something that we'd spoken about as a group. You know, the likes of Mahe, Eric, myself. It's something that we would have loved to have thrown all our eggs into one basket previously. But we we're obviously all doing our own things at that time and, and having great success. And it just didn't didn't make sense. But it was sort of something. You know, it's something that I thought if I retire without doing it, that's something that I might regret. So first and foremost, it was about having a go. And and I did look at. You know, I I wasn't stupid about it. I surveyed the the, the resources and talent available, and I thought, yeah, you know, this this could work. Um, and I felt, you know, if I try and impart some of the knowledge that I've learnt uh, with Eric and and also cycling, just you know, that I've accumulated over the years, and try and uh, really springboard some of these young guys who have have a lot of talent, but you know, really help them capitalise on that, uh, you know, accelerate that process, then it, it could could come off, and it did. Is there anything else in the Olympic arena you need to do now? Uh, certainly no other sport. Uh, no, my, my family or my, my in-laws have certainly been through the Olympic program and yeah, we've, we've assessed that I do not have any uh, applicable talent to any other sports, basically, than, than cycling or rowing. Do you need to do it again? Do you want to go to Paris? Is the, is the hunger still there? Do you need that fix? Uh, it's probably too hard to say at this point. And it's going to be a pragmatic decision, I think, I guess, logistically with, with family. Um, the commitments are getting harder and harder. Uh, and yeah, whether the the it's the reality is, unless you go on the single, you need crewmates as well. So it's it's surveying what talents around and the, and the likelihood of success. I certainly at this age am not taking on a challenge that I, I don't think has a reasonable chance of success. So um, that'll play into the equation as well. So I've sort of given myself the summer to to really just sit back and and you know assess assess my situation. I guess. Well, Hamish, you deserve a good summer with your family and just. Sit back and relax and do nothing and just enjoy family time. Uh, I, well, I didn't say I'm doing nothing. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. What are you doing? Oh, like I mean, I'm just training just to keep the fires burning. I don't think you know switching off the engine, going from absolute peak fitness to, to nothing at all is not going to help anyone's physical or mental state. <laughs> you, ca- you can't uh, help so, yourself. You cannot help yourself. Oh no! Look, I'm trying to be smart about it. I, I know I'm going to go. I've seen plenty of athletes switch the engine off straight away, and it does not go well for them. Uh, are you having a crack at air? In his, in his rig. Oh, you know, it's easy to stop the training. It's not as easy to stop the eating. So you've got to you've got to maintain that balance between calories and input and output. So I'm just keeping fit, you know, uh, and, and I enjoy that. I'm not finding that onerous at the moment. Just keeping that uh, that sort of base level maintained. That is and the I'll most. I'll do that regardless of whether I'm coming back to the sport or not. That's the most politically correct burn I've ever heard, mate. <laughs> happy Christmas. Thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, making another highlight reel in uh, 2021 and, and I think you and I are going to talk uh, next year on this rally yeah yeah no I'll, uh, I'll pass on your number <laughs> I gotta say he is just one machine that's all you would say about Hamish Bond an absolute machine uh, can't give it up but results say it all it's half past 12. Now you can call on 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. Do you want to play the chase? What's the line? What's the line? Can you beat the chaser? Is that the line? Can you beat the chaser? Find out next on 0800-150811. Get amongst it. So it's time for the chaser at 12.33 on SENZ's Summer Days. All right, Sammy, this is my first crack at whatever's uh, yeah, going on. over to me. I play the, uh, I play the um, 
what's his name? Bradley Walsh. You're Bradley role. Walsh. Um, so uh, for those of you who have not heard the chase before, because we're doing it at a different time than we normally do on a Wednesday, um, we've got a caller on the line, Chris, who will uh, go up against our celebrity chaser yet to be revealed. Uh, Chris will have a minute to answer as many questions right as he can. Um, Chris, you can pass, um, and I'll go straight on to the next question. Um, when the chaser comes in, though, they cannot pass. And if they get a question wrong, we stop the clock, and you get a chance to push them back. Uh, they only need to catch you, so if you get four right, they only need to get four to chase you down. But if you can win today, Chris, $120 of BK Bucks on the line. Are you confident? Uh, not overly confident, but it'll be a good prize to keep the kids fed over the holiday. It will keep the kids fed, and I'll tell you what, you're in luck in the fact that uh, Mark Stafford is away, and he hasn't lost on the chase this year, so you're lucky he's not the Staffinator we call him. Stephen McIver, do we have a chase name for you? Can you think of a, of your sort of, you know, the beast and the governess and, you know, what's... Well, your... my nickname at work is The Big Show. The Big Show, there it is. You're, you know, you, 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 you might be facing The Big Show today, Chris, so get ready for that. All we need from you to begin is uh, a selection of set A or set B of the questions. I will go set A. Set A, that's a, that's a fantastic choice, Chris. You've, you've chosen very wise. Um <laughs> I'll do the clock on my end, B-Man. You do the clock for, for our chasers. So uh, we're going to put a minute on the clock. Uh, I've got set a ready to go. Your time will start, Chris, in three, two, one. The Wallabies scored 142 points against which side at the 2003 Rugby World Cup? Namibia. Correct. Who infamously dropped the ball on the extra time kickoff in the 2015 NRL Grand Final? Correct. Did Glenn McGrath bowl right or left-handed? Right arm. Correct. Who is the captain of the Wellington Phoenix? Rupa. Correct. Which two teams Uh, contested last season's Super Bowl? uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. Which weight class does Kiwi boxer David Nika fight in? Light heavyweight? Cruiserweight. What is the name of Tiger Woods' son who played with him in the PNC Championship this weekend? Charlie. Correct. The Brighton Miracle was the name given to a famous rugby match between which two teams? Oh, pass. Nathan Highmarsh played over 300 NRL games for which club? Parramatta. That is correct, and he got it just in time. Do we have a total there, B-Man? I wasn't keeping count. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven correct answers. I tell you what, that is going to be very hard to chase down. I don't think someone has actually chased down seven. Um, so you've done very well there, Chris. So stay on the line um, because your chaser for today, if they get anything wrong or they pass, you get a chance to push them back. And your chaser for today is the big show. It is Stephen McIver. He stepped into the chasing chair. Oh my and uh, I can God. tell you right now, Chris, he's sweating bullets. That, um, that was a very good effort, buddy. Very, very good. I... I feel like I'm going to be pushed back. You said I can't even pass, right? You can't pass. So if you, cho- But you can pass to sort of keep it quick. Okay. Um, but if you do pass, we stop the clock and he gets a chance to push you back. All right, let's go. Um, so we're oh going to put a minute on the clock, Chris. Uh, Stephen needs seven to catch, uh, and his time will start in three, two, one. Who captained the All Blacks at the 2011 Rugby World Cup? Richie McCall. Correct. In which Australian state would you find the Melbourne Storm? Victoria. Correct. Who has taken the most wickets in Ashes cricket history? Pass. Stop the clock. Who has taken the most wickets in Ashes cricket history, Chris? Uh, I'll go Warney. Shane Warney. 
That is correct. So he pushes you back. You're on two. You're back to one. Stephen McIver, your time will start again in three, two, one. Which Premier League football team would you find on the Geordie Shore? Newcastle. Correct. Where was British tennis star Emma Raducanu born? Romania. Stop the clock. Where was British tennis star Emma Raducanu born, Chris? Was it China? It was Canada. Toronto, Canada. So uh, you're on two. Stephen, you've got five to catch. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Where is the 2023 Netball World Cup? England. Stop the clock. Sheepers, creepers. 2023 Netball World Cup. Chris, you got any ideas? Uh, South Africa. That is correct. So, you are, so you're back to one again. Um, and your, I'm screwed. Your time will start again in three. Hey, stranger things have been done. Okay. Your time will start again in three, two, one. One. Who coached the Black Ferns to an Olympic gold medal in Tokyo? Uh, pass. Stop the clock. Oh, man. Chris, who coached the Black Ferns to an Olympic gold medal in Tokyo? Alan Bunting. That is correct. Back to Nort. Seven to catch, and you've got a very limited amount of time. We'll see how far you can get, Stephen. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Which NRL team will halfback Matt Burton suit up for in 2022? Dogs. Correct. Which side is top of the Premier League at the moment? City. That is correct. Which NFL team play? Oh, he's done it. Chris has done it. $120 of BK bucks coming your way. It's a very Merry Christmas to you, Chris. I think uh, Stephen might have even wanted you to win that secretly. That was secretly. fun. No, no. Gosh, I was. I hate losing. I'm but telling you what, Chris definitely picked uh, the right set of questions there. Question set B was was quite tough. Hey, congratulations, that? Chris. That was a that was a fine effort. I got to say, I was sweating bullets. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So I hope the kids are going to enjoy the uh, 120 Burger King bucks. Yeah, they will. Very handy. Thank you, guys. Such an very enjoyable. Hey, where are you calling from? Uh, Hamilton. Ah, City of Dreams. The mighty Tron spent a lot of time City there. City of Dreams. The City of Dreams. It's my home. It's my hometown. Oh, really? Oh, yep. so you're a Waikato boy like me. <laughs> I am. Do you know yep. where Putaradu is? Oh, yeah. Chris, do you know where... Yeah, Put- of course. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, cool. where this, Sorry, this, that's where this homie comes from. Nice. Okay. Great community out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Hey, congratulations. Happy Christmas, mate. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you. <laughs> that was fun. I thoroughly your enjoyed. debut on the chat. It's always hard your debut, Stephen. I reckon if you know if we got if we had a chance next week, you'd come back uh, a lot stronger. Um, I don't know. I think you've got to be really smart. I mean, the questions were, were pretty solid. Do you know what it is? Yeah. Do you know what it is? I reckon you'd get those questions on a, on a normal day. It's the sixty second clock. It's the pressure that that makes the mind go a little bit blank. No, no, you stumped me. I should have known. I should have known. I should have known the Black Ferns question. I should have known the tennis question. The the Canadian question. Uh, I actually was stuffed completely on the netball World Cup. I didn't realise that. Yeah, no, that was a bit of a doozy. But he knew. Good, good on Chris. He Mate, knew. He is he is on fire. So he walks away with one hundred and twenty bucks with a Burger King bucks. Wow. Well, good on him. It's twelve forty one. Still to come before one o'clock this afternoon. What happens next? Me, Ian Smith. On SENZ.
liking this today. I am yeah, really getting Yeah, you, I tricked you there, didn't I? Thought, you thought you were in for a like an old honky-tonk or something, or maybe the Commodores. You, you, but, uh, you, you, you and, and, and the B-Man, our, our musician B-Man, are just throwing big bangers out <laughs> all day today. That's it the is, one. It is so cool, and I trust our SENZ listeners are enjoying this eclectic mix of music that we are throwing you on a Wednesday here on SENZ Summer Days. It is 12.46. Um, developing story just in the NBA, the, the whole virus thing is starting to cause all sorts of problems. They're thinking of rescheduling games to Christmas rather than Boxing Day mm. because of the pandemic. But the other big developing stories is that the NHL is prohibiting its players to go to the 2022 Olympics. Yeah. That is a big... They've already had... They, co- they postponed 44 NHL games last week. Uh, the... <sighs> The NHL players, uh, the Players Association have agreed and now the question is being asked because of the surge in this lemon Omicron, uh, will the Beijing Winter Olympics go ahead? Yeah, so um, that's it was. it's actually been carnage in uh, my fantasy league, uh, Stephen, for ice <laughs> hockey because all my players have been out. Um, <laughs> but the Olympic one's really interesting because the, the NHL players haven't played at the Olympics for the last, I think, two. Ad- they definitely didn't play in the last one. Might have been the last two. And it's really disappointing because it's it's yeah. you know it's like the football thing, right, where the best players aren't there. No, They're you, not playing. It's under 23 with a, two senior players exa- in the football. Exactly. And there was a lot of excitement around the NHL finally having a its players at the Olympics in 2022. I was looking forward to it. You know, teams like Canada just mm-hmm. have the most unbelievable roster because it's all the best players. But um, so that's really disappointing. Um, and you're right. I mean, maybe the whole games itself are. Oh man, you know, riding a bit of uncertainty. Yeah. So so they. Uh, but uh, yeah, I suppose the question is, you know, what do you do? I mean, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, says, well, the virus is not going to go away, mm. so we're going to have to live with it. That old, that old chestnut. Yeah. Uh, and the the key around this, I'm I'm assuming, not being a a doctor or an immunologist or epidemiologist, is that they're saying the Omicron is not as Bad, it transmits like 37 times quicker, like it's one to 37 or whatever. But you can be in and out of it in three days if you get my drift. Yes, but still, I mean, you know, New South yeah. Wales, who were the, they were the shining light through over 3,000 cases today. Yeah, oh, and we talked about you say the American sports sort of seemingly getting it under control first, um, but. You know, now, now it's wreaking havoc. They might go back into their bubble. NBA member was in a bubble yep, last year. Right. They had the barber in the bubble. It was that, weird. It was the, weird. The barber shop. And, yeah. yeah, but it was. But they did it, right? They, but they did it. There's obvious reasons they did it. There are commercial reasons why you do it, right? Yeah. Teams have got to survive. Sponsors have got to be looked after. Yes, you don't get the gates, which is the huge part of it, particularly when you look at the NFL crowds. But the NFL is extending its season to today. I think it was the last day of an extended week, not season, week because of uh, what's been going down. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, our COVID. World. Hey, just briefly, you know, I, I, I blew it out my bum about with, with the old uh, chase. Uh, what are the other questions? Just what are the other questions you were going to ask me? Yeah, we'll see how you do without the clock on, okay, eh? And without yeah. the pressure um, on your shoulders. So the next question you would have had was uh, which uh, NFL team plays at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough? Which was the New England Patriots. Yeah, Foxborough Mass. Um, who is the current IndyCar Drivers Champion? Alex Pillow. Correct. Um, what was the other one? Uh, the Orioles are a major league baseball Baltimore. team. Um, who was the captain of the Blues? Uh, Patrick Tuopiloto. And then I'll throw you a couple of harder ones that were coming up. Uh, which All Black has the record for most points in a single test match? Oh. Wow, that's an interesting one. Oh, of course. Yeah, Simon Culhane. Correct. Um, where was the final of the World Test Championship held? 
In England? Yes. Lords? No. Oh, was right. supposed to be at Lords. Oh, okay. So I got that one wrong. Uh, the Rose Bowl, Southampton. So, you know, you would have done better without that pressure. That's what I say. Without that pressure, without that <laughs> clock ticking down and us breathing in your ear, you uh, you might have done okay. Oh, so, that's okay. That's okay. All that's right. right. We love winners. So, Chris, oh, he's what? getting the vouchers. So what are you saying to me? As we love people oh, winning things. Are you, are you sure you're not having <laughs> Well, you wouldn't have got the burger bucks. Yeah, okay. You might have been able to swindle them somehow. It was more these cynical feelings. Sorry, myself. We we love winners. You lose them, MacIver. Hey, you've stumped people the last couple of days. We had to give something away. Twelve fifty one. This is SNZ Summer Days with Stephen MacIver coming your way after one o'clock this afternoon. Confirmed to to talk to George Rose, former Manly player, who's now one of the leading, if not the leading, boxing promoter in Australia. Because tonight, Paul Gallen takes on Darcy Lussick on a fight night that features a number of other rugby players and. And a young Australian who got a bronze medal at the Olympics, their first Olympic bronze medal in 40 years, makes his pro debut. We'll talk to him after one o'clock this afternoon. But shortly, uh, the first part of what happens next. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. What happens next? What does happen What next? does happen? That's the question we want to know. And uh, another TAB $50 bonus bet is up for grabs. Uh, thanks for the TAB. Uh, if you can tell us what happens after a nine-second piece of audio, which I made yesterday and I can't actually remember what it is. So oh, I'm, good effort. I'm going to play along as well. Uh, nine seconds, what happens after this? Last play. There you go. Well, it's a well, it's a rugby league game. Yes. Okay. It's a rugby league game. That's all I know. Let's say yes. Yeah, rugby league. Rugby league. Thank you. No taking the Mickey. Uh, play it again. Last play. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there you go. So it's it's, it's obviously got something to do with the finals, the playoffs. So that's what that's. I'm feeling that one. David Fuster too. Another one gone. Yes. Uh, text in double eight double three. If you think you know what happens next, and you could uh, you go into the draw if you're right to win a tabby bonus bet. So uh, there you go. And we'll right. uh, reveal that. Uh, well, sometime after one. Well, let's reveal that sometime after one. All right, let's reveal the fact that uh, thor- you could be a thoroughbred owner, well, partially anyway, with loveracing.nz uh, and New Zealand Bloodstock want you to grab your mates and enter a team to win. Uh, if your team is successful, you'll be walking away with this. A, a 10% share in a racehorse purchased at Karaka in 2022. B, training fees covered for two years. C, travelled to Auckland for a VIP experience at Vodafone Derby Day at Caracas 2022. And you can enter now at loveracing.nz slash, I love a good the old slash, slash the thrill. Okay, so that's uh, loveracing.nz. And you could end up being a partial owner of a thoroughbred, which is uh, pretty cool to say the least. That's not bad. Hey, I've, can, I, can, I, um, can I just give a little hint as to what I'm thinking about for what makes me think? Okay, it's boxing. Right, it's boxing. I might as well tell you. I'm just. I'm thinking about who is the who is the most memorable heavyweight champion of the world. That's what I'm thinking about right now. Okay, because I was going to go down that really depressing part of I've got COVID fatigue and you just want everybody to be happy and smiley over Christmas. 
But that's just too depressing. And you're looking at me going, yeah, please don't go there, MacIver. Just do not go there. So anyway, that's what I'm thinking about, the Jack Links that makes you think. I love that, Jack Links that makes you think. Well, Johnny McNeil's just sashayed. He can sashay for an older bloke into the studio. He's going to update us on news and sports shortly. <laughs> and after one o'clock, George Rose, Australia's preeminent boxing promoter. Dean Lonergan won't like me saying that. Uh, He's talking about the footy fight nights tonight live on Sky Arena. And, of course, the co-main event, Paul Gallon up against Darcy Lussick. Should be a lot of fun to uh, talk about because George is one of the real characters of rugby league and the boxing game. Stay with us on SCNZ Summer Days. And for me, Ian Smith on SCNZ. One oh four on a Wednesday afternoon nationwide around New Zealand on the SENZ app or your local frequency or if you're listening in Australia on SENZ. Hey, g'day, how are you, digger? So good to be along with you. That is just the worst Australian accent and I'm not showing any disrespect because we are going to Australia right now in Sydney, in fact, because there is a big night of boxing. It's Footy Fight Nights live on Sky Arena. If you're in Australia listening, you can, you can book that on Foxtel and KO. It's on Sky Arena tonight. Paul Gallon, the co-headline act... Uh, he's up against former player Darcy Lussick. Now, there are plenty of footy players on the card in the No Limit Boxing production, which is the uh, company of the George brothers. Uh, should I say the Rose brothers? Because I'm going to talk to George. You'll know George because he was the former Manly player, 129 games for the Seagulls, who won a premiership in 2011, denied the Warriors the 2011 grand final. But he's turned into one of the best boxing promoters going around. He joins us now. Hello, George. Hey, mate, you can't hold that uh, that grand final victory against me. Come I, on, mate. I do. I do because you should have been penalised for holding <laughs> holding uh, Lance O'Hire back just before half time. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I can't recall that part. I can't recall it. Do you, do you miss... I just recall holding the trophy. <laughs> no, fair play. I remember, I remember you and Watmo, and the, we, were, we were standing down uh, doing our present, post-match presentation, and you and Watmo and the boys walking straight in front of us, just smiling, saying, ah, look at us. <laughs> Look at us. How long did the celebrations go on on that one, mate? Uh, too long. Too long. I'm still, um, I'm still feeling the effects of it 10 years later. Is that a, is that a part of your life you, you miss when you sit down and, and, and have, have quiet moments? No, I, I think it's a part of my life that I'm, that I'm grateful for. Um, I think that like, like I was lucky enough to have a, a long time in the NRL and, um, and, and I enjoyed absolutely every minute of it. Um, but I think I'm pretty blessed now to be doing something that I absolutely love as well. I've, I've always loved the fight, and so to be to be working in in the position I'm in now, I'm um, yeah, I'm happy. Did you realise that you was it didn't wouldn't have taken you too long to realise you were a bit of a cult figure, right? Because physically you weren't lean and mean, but you were still agile. You had great feet. Was uh, it was it was it a, a tr- it was it tough every week to st- stay on top of the game? Um, it was a bit of deception, mate. A bit of deception. <laughs> Fall them with the body shape and um, be able to uh, be able to do a, a few extra things on top of it. So um, it was. Um, I was very lucky. I had a, um, a great S and C coach in uh, Donny Singe. Um, oh who, yes, of course. You know, Ex army, right? Kept us up to the standards that we needed to be. Yeah, he was, um, mate. He was unbelievable, and 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 I do credit 
a big part of my success to, to being able to work under him. Well, now you've got success of a different kind. Where did the love of the fight game start? Well, I've always loved the fight. I mean, since I was a kid, whenever a fight breaks out, you know, you, you jump around and get excited and, and, and want to see how, how the boys go. You know, I love being in fights. I love watching fights. And, um, and now to, to be in the position that I'm in where, where I can put on some great entertaining fights that I want to watch, it's, um, you know, I, I'm very lucky to be in this position. How much of a risk is it to, to say, right, me and my brothers, we're going to become boxing promoters because it, it takes cash, it takes contacts, it takes a whole lot of nows. How, how much of a risk is it? Um, massive risk, massive risk. But, but, you know, it's not something that just happened overnight where we just decided to go and put on a big show for 10,000 people. It's something that we, we started off 10 years ago, well, not 10 years ago, eight years ago at the, um, at the Dubbo RSL. Now, that's a, a, a small venue for maybe about 500, 600 people. And, and um, our progression from there, you know, we put on the first fight and we're pretty good at it. We put on a great event. And so from there, we've been able to build, as the supporters built, and as the, um, the quality of fighters and fights that we've been able to put on, as it's built, it's all built organically together. So um, now we're at the point where in the last, last 14 months, we've had uh, two stadium shows, a sellout, a sellout event at Kudos Bank Arena, sellout events at Newcastle Entertainment Centre. Um, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of support behind Australian boxing here. And, um, you know, as I said, half of that's a credit to the quality of, yeah. of boxes that we have here and the quality of fights that we'll be able to put on. But, you know, a big part of that is also the events that we've been able to provide. We've, we provide really entertaining um, events for the people to be a part of and to watch at home. And, and a big part of that is putting on the fights that are 50-50 fights where you don't know what's going to happen and the boys just get in and yeah. have a good crack. Yeah, the, match- the match-ups is critical. Do you, do you, are you guys thinking big, though? Are you thinking, you know, can, can, we, t- can we become a global promoter? Well, look, we're not, we're not slowing down in, in what we're trying to do. You know, like I said, we started at the WRSL with 500 people. We've built, mm-hmm. um, we've built to the point that we're at, and if everything keeps growing, then we're going to grow with it. If we end up global, then so be it. If we end up uh, doing fights on the moon, then so be it. You know, <laughs> I've, I've got no, I'm not holding back from nothing, but, you know, we're very lucky. We've got guys like, like Tim Zhu, who is in uh, fantastic form, and in a position where he's going to challenge for a world title next year, and um, you know we're a part of that, so it's you know it's uh, there's no stopping where we're heading. Did you see Paul Gallen coming that he could do what he has done? I think I think with Paul, he's he's always been a tremendous athlete. He's a stubborn prick. I like playing against him for <laughs> for ten years. Uh, you know, he was a guy that, uh, as a forward pack up against him, you'd target him. If you can take him down, oh, yeah. then, you know, the, you kill their momentum, you kill the shark. But that was an effort that took, that took you know, six players on the, on the, in the forward pack, plus the four coming off the bench. All of us had to be a part of it to bring down one guy and, uh, and get the win over him on the footy field. So he's always been a stubborn bastard, and that's how he is in the ring too. He refuses to lose. He refuses to back down from anyone, and he's he's got to the point that he has because of because of the type of person that he is. Do you think the loss to Justice Hooney pretty much made him realise where he's at, and that maybe taking it to another level is maybe just a bit beyond his years? 
Um, well, he's 40 now. He's 40 now. Yeah. I'd, I would have loved to see a 26-year-old Paul Gallen in that same position. And I think, um, given that, that Justice is a special talent, I think any other uh, any other challenge for the Australian heavyweight title, you know, Paul probably wins. Um, but against a guy like Justice, who's a special talent, very young, very, very, um, you know, in, in peak condition, mm. in absolute peak condition, uh, you know, the odds were stacked against him well and truly in that fight. Um, and again, if, if, if I'm promoting the fight, I'll make sure the, the odds sit more, yep. more evenly in his favour, at least, you know, at least to a 50-50 point. How, how even is this co-main event fight between Gallon and Darcy Lussick? Uh, there's, a, there's a height and uh, reach difference on this one, but you know Paul Gallon's going to try and get inside and bash him early, right? Darcy Lussick throws absolute bombs. He has got he's got some of the heaviest hands that you'll see in the heavyweight division. Um, and and for Gal, if, if it was a if it was over ten three minute rounds, Gal wins easily. Um, so to to make it a fair fight, we had to bring the rounds down, bring the minutes down. So now it's three two minute rounds where it's going to be an absolute flurry of punches, two <laughs> big boys um, just throwing down. So Darcy Lussick's got got enough time to be able to land that big right hand and uh, Paul Gallen's got the, the odds stacked against him but it makes it a 50-50 fight because like I said Paul Gallen probably beats most heavyweights in the country Three by twos that's true corporate boxing oh my goodness this is going to it's going to be oh it's trench warfare from the get go uh, the one I'm, I'm there's the, the two obviously fights that I am looking forward to Justin Hodges and Nathan Ross Nathan Ross said the press conference didn't hold back he looks like he wants to finish Hodges off Absolutely, absolutely, and and it's exciting. Like I, I had a go at I had a go at the Rostov. I said I've never known a winger who can throw a punch or can or who can fight, <laughs> let alone play footy. So, you know, he, he's he's been able to play footy, and he, he's pretty confident that he can back it up in the ring too. He's got he's got great energy. He's got he's got plenty of skill, um, and he's been working hard. He's always been a hard worker. But like I said, I, you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's quite mythical for me to see. A winger in the ring throwing punches. So this is um, this is a first. I'll, I'll be excited to see it. Uh, you know what? I'm backing Chris Heinington against Leilua. I think I think Leilua will come out swinging early. I think he'll blow out of steam. I think he runs out of gas. Mate, that's a, that's another interesting one. They, you know, they, they were they were really friendly at the start. At the start of the um, you know when we first signed the agreement, they yeah. were all friendly and that. And then all it took was one comment, and one comment led to another from the other side. Now they're at the point where I had to break them up at the way. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, you, did, you didn't look. You head. didn't look comfortable. You didn't look comfortable. You gave it. The, you gave it the bit of the Dana White look. Hey, hang on, boys. Hang on. Just back off. Back off. I don't get my my face in the way here. I mean, that must be part of the fun, right? A hundred percent. And I was excited to see it. And, and, and you know, I was sitting back enjoying it for a moment. And then I thought, holy shit, they're about to rip in here. And I, I thought I better step in and break it up. <laughs> and um, yeah, the, you know. They're going to be ready to go. They're pumped. You, it's going to be another good fight. You mean, and again, like you said, I don't know how it'll go. Joey will be swinging early, but Hino's got a tank on him. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I, I understand that. He was always pretty cut for a, for a second row, front row, and in, in his day, even at the back end of his career. Uh, you mentioned the renaissance of Australian boxing, and Harry Garside wins an Olympic bronze medal, the first time anyone's, any Australians won a, an Olympic medal in 40-odd years. See, so he's making his pro debut, and this is, this is a big deal because the lightweight division is so deep globally, but he's, you've, you've matched it up with someone pretty handy, uh, Sashin, Mud, I think it's Mudalia, if that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah. He's nine and one. So, what do you know that we don't know about this fight coming up? 
Well, what I do know is that, like you said, Harry's Harry's won an Olympic medal first time in over thirty years for an Australian. He's a he's a special talent, and in deciding to turn pro, he didn't want to turn pro and take an easy fight, an easy win for his first fight. He's on a main event card. He's the co-main event of this card, massive card over here in Australia. Um, he wants a tough fight, and he wants to take tough fights. He wants to test himself, see where he's at. He hasn't taken a backward step in in all of his amateur career. He's always challenged himself to, to be the best and, and to learn from, from every fight that he's had. So to dive straight in against someone with a 9-1 record um, is the perfect opening fight for him. And he wants to make a statement, announce himself to Australia and New Zealand, let them know that he's here to represent. And um, I'm looking forward to a massive career for Harry. Wow, so so you don't you don't see this as a slight risk with the, someone with a record like that? Massive risk, massive risk. But that's the thing is that if he takes easy fights, mm. you know, it, it's not testing himself, it's not pushing him to the next level, and it's um it's not going to keep us as as entertained as as we could be. So. For him, he wants to take tougher fights. Nine and one, not many people would take a fight like that with, once they've got a decent record under their belt, let alone when they're on debut. But he's got so much experience in amateurs that he's going to be taking that straight into this uh, this professional career that he's embarking on. Now, just do me a favour tonight. Make sure those boxers all know which gloves they're wearing tonight. There was a little bit of a hiccup in your pregame. <sighs> yeah, I know. Were you filthy? Were you dirty on that? I was absolutely filthy. I couldn't believe it. Like the amount of hoops that we jumped through um, to get the fight on and then to have that happen before. And it ended up being a great fight. It too. was. Actually, it ended the... up being a great fight. But, you know, to, to go through that, I've, got, I've, I've made sure that I've sent some of my boys back there to be, able to, to be able to watch the inspectors as well and make sure that we don't have that same hiccup again because we want to keep rolling through these fights tonight. Mate, we'll be turning them over pretty quick, so big knockout straight into the next one. <laughs> you do a fantastic job. Can I just say too that we we are slightly annoyed that you took Lieutenant Dan Hennessy away from us because he's a good friend. Of, <laughs> he's he's a good friend of mine, but he loves it. He 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 treats it like an art form, and he just adds that little bit of uh, cream on top of your promotion. So I'm really I'm really happy for him. But gee, we miss him over here. Absolutely. It's the entertainment business, and that's what I love about Lieutenant Dan is that he knows how to put on a show, and that's what we want. We want we want to keep the fans happy, keep everyone tuning in, and we're very grateful that you've shared Lieutenant Dan with us. <laughs> well, mate, you look after him. Uh, George, the best of luck, mate. Uh, it looks like fun. I'm going to book it myself. We book it here on Sky Arena. You over on SEN uh, in Australia, book it on KO or Foxtel. Have a good night, mate. Thanks for the time, and uh, thanks for reminding me that you don't really care about what happened in the 2011 Grand Final just as long as you won. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, thanks mate And make sure you don't blink tonight Because you'll miss all the action You're a good man, thanks George George Rose from No Limit Boxing The promoter of the footy fight night tonight What a good bloke uh, And really smart Now I, I am quite surprised When he's told us that the Lusser Gallon fight Is only three by twos Three by two. That's that's actually true corporate boxing. I would have thought maybe for the main event it would have been a little longer, but you'll probably find that the uh, Garside, excuse me, Harry Garside uh, Mudalia match is a little bit longer for his pro debut. How about that? How about that at all? It's coming up to 118 here on SNZ Summer Days. Are we now going to figure out the last part of what happens next? I've seen some texts on the line. Yes. And... Now I get it. Okay, I'm going to play it one more time. There you go. Just for the people that are just joining us. Yep. Uh, here's our first nine-second clip. Last play. Go! Here goes Tomo with one last crack at the- 
What I missed was the line, there goes to- there's yes. Tonga. Yes. I couldn't hear B-man it. B-man missed that as well. It was Tonga. So that's got to be a World Cup match, right? Yeah, warm. Tonga. Uh, now, is it against New Zealand or England is the question? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what if it's what if it's against New Zealand? Oh, that that they beat us. Yes, they beat us at uh, Hamilton. Yes, they beat us at twenty seventeen. At twenty seventeen. In twenty seventeen. Yeah. In twenty seventeen. Mm. Yeah, not the same score. I can't remember the score. Mm. An amazing match it was, and then yeah. and th- that was a quarterfinal. No, it? I think that was the last a game. Pool of match? The, yeah, the last game of the pool matches because we played. Remember, we played Fiji. Um, and that, lost to Fiji and Wellington. Oh, and don't, I think the don't semi- even remind me of that. Yeah, I know. Because the one that the, actually the result that gutted me more was Tonga losing to England in the last minute. And yeah, dead, controversy. Dead set it was a try. Yeah, yeah, a lot of controversy. Dead set, as they say. Yeah, dead, dead set, set try. So um, you better just um, play. You're playing the last yeah, part I'll play, of this. Yeah, let's, better, fi- eh? let's find out if you're right. Last play. Last play of the game. Natamalulu. So much talk about him before the game, and he's going to end it. Natamalulu win. Yeah, there you go. Tonga 2017, beating the Kiwis. And uh, Jason was one of the first people to text in, so he's won himself a TAB bonus bet. Oh, well, congratulations, mate. That, that is magnificent. You know what? That was the... The, 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 that was the beginning beginning of the, the Tongan wave. Yes. Uh, and also the realisation by the International Rugby League that more work needed to be done for the island nations, those Tier 2, Tier 3 nations, to be involved at the top level. It's as simple as that. And having experienced one of those uh, Tongan showdowns, and it is... It is spectacular, and it it just reminds you again what the game of rugby league means to its fans and its and particularly its countries. Mm. When I I think I told you this the other day, when it was Tonga Australia at uh, at Mount Smart Stadium, Tongans do their national anthem, which is beautiful. The singing you you get you know you get the yeah. goosey bumps. Yeah. Then they go and sing the Australian national anthem as well. Yeah. And you go, this is what it's about, but. Man, well, I got goosebumps. That's that. Yeah, was, and it was interesting because I remember after the World Cup, I uh, can't remember who the, the head of the international the rugby league federation sort of came out and said, "Oh, we need to work towards playing more games and getting it locked." And I think they might have even locked in the next test window. They locked in a Tonga, yeah, um, Samoa. That's right. But then since then, you know, I mean, I guess rugby league, international well, rugby league in general, has gone. It is. Be- it has become the lost sport. Yeah. In in COVID times, you think mm. about you think about the Kiwis team that you could roll out in the last two years, and they're still number one in the world. It's funny to think that Australia <laughs> yeah. are number four, four in the yeah. world. But it does raise that other question that I've been reading about again: the whole uh, international rugby board. You know, this three-year standout allowing players that play for a Tier One nation now to go back and play mm. for the uh, their island of birth or whatever. And I'm, I'm agreeing with a lot of people. Three years is too far to wait. Totally. Stop protecting your backyard. Mm-hmm. If you've got the talent, you've got the talent. You know, if you've played fine, you want to decide, that, okay, so you give up that opportunity to play again. And it's not about picking and choosing, right? 
because New Zealand rugby has taken many, many, many great players out of the islands for years. So if they want to go back back, back and play, let them play tomorrow. Yeah, I, I agree. Straight right. away. Or, or even, you know, and if you want to do some sort of standard, maybe a year, because the problem is and we're two years away from a World Cup, which means a lot of these guys who potentially played this can't, year, they, well, they won't be able to play. And the thing that the All Blacks can do, right, is, and I'm sure a player can say no to this, but as an All Black, tactically, you could pick a guy for one game. And then he's got three years to stand down. Yeah, you know. Which, but but the other thing that you won't find happening is that there will be current players who are making good wedge. Let's be let's be perfectly frank about it. So you'll be looking at players that may have played, let's say last year or whatever, and they they might they may not make it. Who are offshore playing? Let it let them make it better. Increase the quality of what you are getting so you don't get the blowouts. But three year stand down period is BS. Full stop. It's one twenty-three. Coming shortly. Jack's links. Jack links makes you think. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. One twenty-eight on this Wednesday afternoon and a Christmas week as we're here till. Uh, m- Friday, don't forget tomorrow, Courtney Duncan, two-time women's motocross champion on her last day of MIQ. She's first up tomorrow morning. Liam Lawson, motor racer, F2, and also had his first F1 test with Alpha Tori in Abu Dhabi. We'll talk to him in MIQ. He's just got in there. And also Danny Townsend, the CEO of the A-League, to talk about well, the, the, the A-League, but also why they were able to quickly do a deal. Well, not quickly, do a deal with Silver Lake, uh, the capital firm that uh, wants to take a chunk of uh, New Zealand's rugby's commercial portfolio. A uh, little note, too, that don't, we've just been talking to George Rose, the promoter of the Footy Fight Nights tonight on live on Sky Arena. You can watch the prelims for free, 8 to 9, on Sky Sport 1. That's free, uh, 8 to 9 on Sky Sport 1. And then that's pay-per-view at 9 o'clock on Sky Arena. I think it's the standard charge, about thirty nine ninety five on Sky Arena. If you're listening to us in Australia right now on whatever app, the SEN app or SENZ app, uh, you book it through KO and Foxtel. Uh, just to remind about the calls of the week, that's always a good one uh, with Night and Day. We do give you a plenty to look forward to uh, because you win a $50 Night and Day voucher if you are the call of the week on 0800 150 Oh, It's in front of me. It's 811. What am I talking about? I had a moment. I had, I've had a senior moment. 0800-150-811. Apologies to you. Okay, so that night and day. Don't forget, $2 pies every Tuesday in December at your local night and day. Whew, one thirty. Favourite sports. Just download the TAB app today. Paul Mawate. Hi, mate. Good afternoon, Stephen. Oh, oh, okay. You've got your business-like voice on today. Okay, <laughs> uh, so I'll ask the business-like question. So, Paul, tell me, what's going on? Uh, okay, so we've got our meeting at New Plymouth this afternoon, about to start in just under an hour's time. I was talking this morning with the boys on the breakfast show, uh, and I pointed out uh, race two, the Monster Vision maiden two-year-old. Uh, the action was on the two Tiarkel stablemates. Number one, Lord Cosmos, uh, now paying $2.40, and number eight, Caravella are now at $3.60. The early money did come for the eight Caravella, but this morning it's been pretty much one-way traffic. There's only one they really, really want, and that's the one, Lord Cosmos, written by Michael McNabb, now $2.40. Mm. So 
Nice. If you if you're looking for uh, value, start the day off. Yeah, if you want to start the day off with the wind, then I wouldn't look too far past uh, either Lord Cosmos or Caravella in race two at New Plymouth today. That race due to start at around three o'clock this afternoon. Now, I know, Stephen, you're a big, big rugby league fan. Oh, hey, hey, uh, so well, stop with the rugby league, mate. Come on, I'm already getting, I'm getting, I'm getting heebies on. Someone saying to me, well, rugby union's got international intrigue and league doesn't because you can't just change nations like a club. Typical league heads. Oh, for goodness sake. So stop it, stop it. I've, I've, I've had a look at the grand final winner market uh, for 2022. <laughs> I can tell you, all, all of the action there... Is in the top three of the market. The Melbourne Storm, the Penrith Panthers, and the Sydney Roosters. Uh, Storm and the Panthers are paying $5 at the moment to win the grand final. The Sydney Roosters are paying $6. Pretty much all of the action right there in those three. But the fourth best back team in that grand final winner, oh, this is our season, people. This uh, is our you're season. kidding the me. Warriors at $36 to win the grand final. They're the fourth best back team in the grand final market. Uh, after those top three, I had a look at the top eight market as well, uh, which yeah, uh, that's a good market actually. Yeah, uh, a little more realistic maybe. The best back team, the New Zealand Warriors, at four dollars to finish in the top eight yeah. uh, this coming season. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I, 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 yeah, I, that's all I can say with them because I'm still not sure about it uh, and, and how they're going to roll out. Whether Johnson will make a difference with if they put Ash Taylor with him. Uh, they've got Aaron Penne, uh, the, your new boy coming in from the Melbourne Storm. All the talk about him and the Fords as he's doing a great job and tucks his shirt in apparently. Which apparently is a good yeah, sign. Right. It's called a one percenter. Apparently, tucking your shirt in, which means I am right now at minus one percent. So, so there you go. <laughs> hey, Paul, thanks for that. I, pre- I appreciate it, mate. But you sound very Cheers, you, you sound very confident about those bets on the on the on the horsey. So, well, I'll have a, I'll give it a, I'll give it a sniff. Cheers, mate. Okay, see you later. Here you go, uh, Paul Mawati from the TAB Promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit the tab.co.nz and please, as always, gamble responsibly. Alrighty, uh, back shortly, I think. Yes, back shortly with uh, Jack Links makes you think. This is Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger. 141. Jack Links makes you think, thanks to the all new maple and brown sugar ham jerky. And with all the boxing we've been talking about, Sam, and with the Parker fight last week and, and what's happening tonight on Sky Arena with, you know, Lusaka against Gallon and the likes, it got me thinking about who potentially is your favourite heavyweight champion. Because we've been blessed in many ways in the last probably 20 years. Yes, I'm going to say 20 years. To have some real standout stayers. Now, you know, everybody will always say Ali, right? They'll always say Ali. But I think for me that's not necessarily... It doesn't... Re- what Who he is and what he represents resonates, right? Mm. But when you think of some of the people that have been and gone, like, like Mike Tyson, for instance... At the time, he was an unfashionable little guy who was an animal and beat up everyone to become, you know, the world champ. And you go, hmm, why not Mike Tyson? And and then then you look 
at then 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 the sort of the start of this this British Renaissance, Lennox Lewis. Now Lennox Lewis, remember when David Tua had his fight against Lennox yes, Lewis? Yes, do remember was, that? That you know we were all there. We we're standing, going, throw something, but yeah. stopping. You know, lift your head up. And and Lennox Lewis, he and he carried himself beautifully as a champion. He wasn't a dickhead, right? Mm-hmm. He was a good guy, and but he could punch. And I, I'm beginning to I'm trying to figure out whether he was the first of the the big guys. The first of the big heavyweights, when I say big, tall. Yes. Because then along comes the likes of the Klitschko brothers, right? And Vladimir Klitschko was like, you could almost go back to the Rocky movie, right? Uh, and uh, the, Dolph, Russian. the Russian Dolph, who Dolph Ivan, played yeah. by Dolph Lundgren, right? Yeah. Who's, who's now back in the Expendable movies. By the way, Expendable 4 is coming too. Right. Uh, and Klitschko, you know, they no one could break him down, but... It, they eventually broke him down and it was a guy another big guy but another pom a British called Anthony Joshua mm. and you start thinking you know haven't we been really really fortunate and then I then I sort of had to take stock from it and go hang on a minute I've missed a couple of really key fighters here when you think about really strong heavyweights Evander Holyfield yeah Evander Holyfield who sadly got back into the ring earlier this year because I think he's blown all his money at us but what was what was B Man saying? Uh, yeah, he, he fought Vitor Belfort, an MMA legend. Yeah, okay. Did he win that? He didn't win it, though, did he? No, absolutely not. You got hammered, which is First really round. sad, right? Which is which yep. is which is the wrong. You know, we were talking about the Jake Pauls or these sort of people. You know, coming back in because there is potentially a payday, mm. and then you stop for a moment. You go, hang on a minute, Tyson Fury. Yeah. Are we seeing any someone that's better than all of them? Because He's huge. He's a monster. He's, he's tall. So, again, the height issue becomes a factor. Huge reach. But the most unfashionable boxer that you will ever see. But somehow, absolutely tore Deontay Wilder apart in the last of their – it was the trilogy. Was it the trilogy, yeah. And you're going – so for you, mm. when I look at those names, and let's let's park Ali, right? Because for me, different, just a different time, a different era. Now we're talking. We most of the guys, barring Tyson, who I still think for me, I don't know whether it was his character or just the way he changed people looking at looking at heavyweight boxing. Mm. When you look at Klitschko and you've got Joshua, uh, Tyson Fury, Lennox Lewis, w- w- does anyone stand out for you? Well, I mean, full disclosure, I, my memory doesn't go back as far as, you know, the guys. Yeah, guys I'm, old, like okay. I'm older than you. No, no, but I mean, I, I <laughs> um, and like, this happens to me with a, a lot of sports, to be honest, but I still have watched old fights of, of like Tysons and Hollyfields and, um, you know, I can definitely mm-hmm. respect what they've done in the past. So I can only sort of go to, you know, what I've lived with and I've experienced. And like, I just really like Tyson Fury for the reason that um, he's big. All the heavyweight boxers are going to be big, whether that's, Width or height, um, but he's just a smart boxer. Like he not he to me. Do you hear him analyze fights when he talks about you know what he did and how he did it? And you just don't get that from guys like Anthony Joshua. You know Joshua's a a good fighter, but he doesn't. He's not like a Tyson Fury who can literally walk you through. One minute thirteen into the fight, I saw his left hand drop three centimeters, and that allowed me to get a body shot. Yeah, you know, that, that makes me wonder whether we or well, you were a bit like me, and you got suckered early on with Joshua. Yeah, because, because here's this good-looking big boy from from Great Britain bashing people up and taking the world crown and, and almost unbeatable. Yeah, and I, I wonder sometimes, you know, that's what makes me think when I'm having my bit of jerky, whether or not not being able to put Parker away. 
and drop him was a moment that got inside his head and to think that maybe he was more human than he thought he really was. Uh, yeah, look, I controversially, probably, I, I don't rate Joshua at all. I know it's a big call, but I really oh, don't no, rate him no, as a heavyweight. He's got no mental game. He's got, yeah, correct. I don't, think he's got, I don't think he's got much of a mental game, but I also think too, like, when I think, boxing is, the, is a great sport for this. When you're thinking about the best, you have to compare them to, to one another. And I say if you put Joshua in a ring with Tyson Fury or one of these, like, he won't beat them. He won't win. When when he when we were looking at Anthony Joshua three or four years ago, it just on his own, we thought he was great. He was world champion. He's great. But now when I compare him to those other people, there's no way he gets into a ring with Tyson Fury and beats him. To be honest, and I even think if Parker fights how he fought against um, yeah, yeah. on the uh, weekend, Chisora, Chisora, if he fights like that against Joshua, he'd beat him. Yeah, I would like to, I would like to see Joshua Parker too. Yes, just for the hell of it, because I think David showed. Sorry, yeah, Joseph showed so much more, and we we're all agreeing. That I think that we're not we're not sort of saying ooh we we've discovered something new. He showed a lot more. He actually showed too that he can go twelve rounds, which I think is really important. He, there was only a couple of times, and I think I said this to you before uh, the fight itself. That I've always been worried about Joseph's left. It drops a bit, and it opens opens him up for the overhand right. And they even said it themselves on commentary. He's got to be really careful because Chisora had a had a has a killer overhand right, but he wasn't able to uh, unleash it because for the first time, and I think in a long time, and I think Andy Lee takes credit here. He made Parker fight as he kept saying, "Fight smart, fight smart." The only thing I wanted him to see. Do mm. is what we all wanted him to see him do. When the three times that he had that Chisora had the standing count, he let him walk. He let him walk into the corner at his own at his own pace and not put pressure on him. I would have been in there with mm. my baseball bat, <laughs> and I would have been in there. But you know what I'm saying? You know, right? natural instinct is Your to, natural is instinct to, go is to kill them, yeah. and, and that's and that's what. And sometimes you think that's what makes the the greats different from the rest. Yeah, is their ability to have this. This instinct, you call it the this fighter instinct. I mean, you get in the ring. You know, I know I keep saying I've done it, you know, but honestly, when you step in the ring, whether it be for a charity fight or anything, you, you figure out very quickly whether you should be in there or not, whether mm. you are a fighter or not. And it is that small percentage, even though there's fighters all over the world, it's that percentage that go, yeah, you were born to do this. Yeah. Simple as that. I think the, the, the thing that I've been finding interesting too is the, the talk of at some stage, like Parker, if he keeps going, you know, potentially fight, fighting Fury. And that's an example right there where I just think you, you can't, I can't compare Parker with Fury. I think Fury would take him apart. And yeah. I know they've been working together, which probably doesn't help. That Fury probably know what, what what's coming. Completely. But I just think Fury's the kind of guy that will just pick his, ga- his boxing game apart, whereas Parker will not be one dimensional, but he'll just go in with the one plan, you know? Yeah, yeah I, so um, I, I, that's to me why I put Fury in that sort of yeah, upper echelon. Completely with you. So that's uh, what's been making me think. Uh, that was Jack Link's Makes You Think, thanks to the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar. Ooh, look, they've gone the whole hog. Mmm, mmm. It's one fifty.